JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, good afternoon, my friends. I am really, really incredibly excited about where we are today for the first time. It's called Walk-Ons, and it's downtown on South Meridian. My man Todd Johnson's in the house. We're going to get you on the air coming up a little bit later on. You want to be ready? What's that? Are you taking? Oh, is he calling in today? Yeah, he uh, Whatever you want to. I'm sorry, we're doing a little pre. We're doing a little pre-show on the first minute of the show. Whenever Derek Brooks wants to call, 5:30 or so, that work great. Yeah, we can do that. Absolutely. But I want you to come back and get on with me too. You got it. This Todd Johnson's in the house. You know Todd. Obviously, we've done so many shows, especially during the football season, uh, down at Monkey Duck, and Todd is uh, a part of that. Obviously, the spearhead of that, and he also is here as well. Walk-ons is a fantastic-looking place. I mean, you are absolutely going to be shocked, and you're going to love how good that it looks here. But part of it is the ownership of Walk-ons includes Todd Johnson, but as you were privy to our conversation here. Uh, it also includes uh, Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks, the former NFL linebacker with the Buccaneers. I think Booger McFarland is a part of it as well. I think Drew Brees is a part of it too. So you got some former NFLers a part of this. And uh, we'll see if we can get Derek Brooks on, talk a little NFL and such coming up at the end of this show. Oh, yes, absolutely. Whatever. Just surprise me. Cocktail-wise, surprise me, BT. BT's on retirement. He is here. We are staked out until 6. I know we're having – I think we're having a uh, 
uh, ownership-wide, company-wide party going on here. So we'll be hanging around until 7 o'clock. Just looking for you to come down with us. We love staking our claim to a new spot here in Indianapolis. And this is it. Walk-ons with the great food, the incredible atmosphere, and right here downtown on South Meridian. So come on down if you can get your way through all the smoke, right? Which is really weird, by the way. I mean, really odd to look at it. And it's funny. I kind of wondered. I walked down here just to see if I could feel the effects. And I don't know if it's something that's like playing on my mind here. I don't know if I I felt the effects, if the eyes were watery watery and scratchy, um, if it was because of that or because I kind of talked myself into that's what I'm going to expect. But all in all, it is pretty nasty looking outside. I cannot remember a time outside of being in Los Angeles, California, where I ever heard so much talking about air quality. Not around here. I can't remember that. Now, yeah, granted, when you get into uh, the really hot days, the humid days, and they tell you you don't mow until, you know, after 6 o'clock or something like that, I do remember those reports. Uh, annually during the summertime. I can't remember stuff like this, especially such a poor air quality. So just get in your car, come down here and join us. Have a bite, have a drink, have a cocktail, and join us down here. And uh, we'll talk it up with you and hang out with you coming up until 6 o'clock on the air. The news on Isaiah Rogers. uh, Adam Schefter had the tweet about two hours ago that the news is about ready to break regarding Isaiah Rogers and a handful, as Schefter tweeted, of other NFL players that are ready to get a year banishment from the NFL for their situation in wagering on uh, presumably here with Isaiah Rogers games here Uh, in games. We'll see if he was betting four or whatever, but a year long banishment is really what we all expected, right? So this is going to be no surprise whatsoever. I think we all expected that sort of punishment, but Adam Schefter tweeted that a little bit earlier. We'll follow that story and see if any other news happens to fall at some point this afternoon as well regarding Isaiah Rogers. I think most, honestly, have already moved on. Now, granted, he was going to be, in terms of his position, an essential piece. I mean, he was going to be. And that's what is really just mystifying about all this. He was going to be a a, a piece in that secondary that was going to be necessary. He was going to get a huge opportunity because there's just not a lot there. And you can look at it a couple of different ways. You can look at it as if, you know, they're trying to grow with draft selections and guys they want to build for the future. Or you can look at it as, well, this is what they think is going to work. But he was going to get a legitimate opportunity. And you know, speaking of wildfire smoke, I mean, he burned himself like nobody's business. It is mind-numbing to think about the situation he has placed himself in with all this in mind. So... We just kind of wait for the concreteness of the punishment. The expectation is it is a year long and then yeah, no more Isaiah Rogers around here. I guess the big question is, you know, what do you do? You know, in a market that veteran cornerback wise is not robust with a lot of talent, some name recognition. I think guys like Kyle Fuller, Eli Apple, 
uh, Bradley Roby, I think, is, is still on the open market, at least last I've checked. You know, this story kind of popped a month ago and then faded away because you just knew what the outcome was going to be. And then it faded away even more when we started about talking uh, regarding other things. And now it just kind of pops back. And that is the expectation coming up here. Maybe later on today, maybe tomorrow, maybe at some point uh, over the weekend. I think most of you uh, got a little holiday weekend planned as we go into next week and the 4th of July. But at some point, you will learn that it will be a year-long suspension. And we'll see if the Colts end up doing anything else or if they just kind of ride this thing out the way that it is. Seems like that's what they're going to do. Uh, again, we shall see, but that is the news today. Not a lot of it, and really most of it you already knew that was coming. But it was, it was kind of a warning flare, if you will, that, hey, this is going to come down sooner rather than later. And it's not only Isaiah Rogers. And Isaiah Rogers is already cop to it. I mean, he was, he's already owned a, a certain level of what he has done. So you know that more than likely it is not going to be bad, and a year-long banishment certainly is coming for the Colts cornerback, and that should mark the end of the Colts cornerback career here. And we'll see where he goes coming up after that. So, again, we'll uh, keep you updated on any story that might pop. In fact, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is going to join us. He'll join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour to discuss that. We also got Kristen Airy to join us. Thank you very much for the beer. Appreciate that. Kristen Airy to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We are going to talk about a variety of things with him, including what this free agency period um, what this Pacer team may look like coming up in October compared to what it is going to look like as of right now or what it looked like at the end of the year. So Denary is going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And I was watching a little bit last night, too. We had some Reds action. They went through another lengthy rain delay, but got it done 3-1 last night against the Baltimore Orioles, which, as I called, snapped a three-game losing skid for the Reds. I, I brought yesterday, if you missed it, Spencer Steer, who has been playing left field last night, he was the DH. He also works out of first base for the Reds, has been having, offensively speaking, an outstanding rookie season. Now, remember a, a year ago he came up in September, kind of got his feet wet, and then dropped in this season and offensively has had an outstanding rookie season to date. Spencer Steer joined us yesterday, and I said, because you're joining us, uh, automatically the streak will be broken, the losing skid. Now, the one thing I didn't tell him is that after joining us, you'll strike out two or three times and have an offer. I didn't say that which he did, but it was a great conversation yesterday. If you missed it, Spencer Steer of the Reds, it's at 107.5thefan.com, and you can check out that podcast at your leisure. Meantime, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, longtime coverer of the Reds for MLB.com right now, Mark Sheldon joins the show. Mark, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good. Good afternoon. Pardon my, my, my voice. I've lost it, so you have to forgive me. Yeah, well, I mean, we're dealing with the Canadian wildfire smoke here in Indy. So we got the, the windows and the doors open right now. So who knows what's going to happen to us all lo here locally. Yeah. Hey, I, I will say this. Did you imagine the team you were covering in the Reds that you've covered for such a long time would be in the midst? And I know they went through a, a losing skid, but got a win last night. They reeled off 12 consecutive 
Would you have imagined at the start of this year that both this Reds team and its fan base would be so excited about this particular product? To be honest, no, I didn't expect that to happen. It was a, uh, it was definitely surprising. I will say that the team seemed more exciting even when they were seven and fifteen. I was like, they're definitely playing a brand of baseball that I can, I can really enjoy and watch, and I think fans would like. But, you know, they were in a lot of games that were close. And they weren't quite winning. But then they started putting it together slowly but surely and then exploded in the last, you know, three or four weeks. So, yeah, back in March when spring training was happening, no, I would not have expected them to be in first place and uh, and have a chance to go to the playoffs. How did you compare last weekend with the, the fans and the sellouts and the excitement when the Braves were in town? How far back do you have to go to find a regular season game that had that type of atmosphere? Probably 2013 uh, during the, the time when Billy Hamilton came up and people were really excited to see him. But probably even more so 2012 when they were a 97-win team and there's a lot of uh, battles with the Cardinals. And uh, it, it seemed like every game meant something when they played those teams. And it certainly, even though it was only June, but them playing the Braves the way they did and having all those one-run games, the back and forth and the sold-out crowd. A lot of Braves fans were there too, but there were more Reds fans. And it, it really did feel like a uh, playoff atmosphere type of baseball. It felt like there was a high stakes, and it just – it was a great place to be inside that ballpark. So Mark Sheldon, who covers the Reds, uh, MLB.com, longtime coverer of the Reds with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. I was talking to Spencer Steer yesterday, and I had asked him this. I said, hey, it, this, this was just my observation watching the Reds as a longtime fan. It looks like this group – um, is unafraid of situations because they've not ever been in those situations. And oftentimes, Mark, you've covered this team forever. Oftentimes, that can be a detriment to your team, individually and collectively. But with this group, it seems like they go full throttle the entire time, and they really have no fear of failure because they have yet to fail at this level. And it just seems like they have no fear. That's really something, I think, unique that we rarely see in a lot of sports, especially that of baseball with a group like this. Well, you do have a lot of young players that are confident that had success at other levels of baseball or before they got into professional baseball. And they all kind of come up together, and they all have each other's backs. They, they also had a meeting early in the year when they were struggling with the hitting coach and David Bell, and, and they really did embrace the mentality is, you know, get each other's backs. If, if the guy batting second strikes out, the guy batting third will pick him up. If the guy batting third doesn't do a good job, the guy batting fourth will. And they don't feel like they have to score, uh, you know, a, a six-run home run every time every, you know, somebody's batting. And they, they know they can pass it on to the next guy, and they'll pick him up. And that's kind of what enables them to – have these comebacks and, and even if they have a slow start in a game and the starting rotation doesn't doesn't have a good you know first two innings the, between the bullpen and this in this lineup they do feel confident that they can get back into any game well i mean the enthusiasm they've given the fans but just the enthusiasm uh in that that clubhouse that transfers to the bench uh, that has been a hell of a spectacle to watch. I mean, that's, that's a lot of it, too. I mean, winning, you know, winning does. I mean, it delivers enthusiasm no matter what. But to the level with all these young guys and the way that they're enthused about the accomplishments of one another, that, uh, that takes it to the next level, I think, for the fans, certainly. And you can see it. And I was talking to Spencer Steer about that yesterday. That's something they feel from teammate to teammate about cheering
cheering on one another and feeling gratitude when a teammate, you know, hits a home run or a teammate does something big, man, that is something that's not lost on Reds fans that we've been seeing nightly for the past month with this group. Certainly. And they did a lot of team building, chemistry type things uh, back in spring training. Uh, things at the time that maybe fans didn't understand. Like, why is this team that lost 100 games last year doing things like talent shows and basketball three-point contests? But it was all part of the collective getting together and supporting each other. And then you go into the season, if you watch a game, either in person or they show it on TV, you always see guys like Jonathan India and TJ Friedel on the top step of the dugout and cheering guys on. When he got lifted for uh, as a pinch hitter, for a pinch hitter for a very rare time in his career, Joey Votto, was replaced by India, and he sat. Uh, he stood on the stop step of the dugout to cheer on India. And that's you know, Mata, veteran hitters when they're pulled out of a game, they head to the clubhouse or the bench. And he stayed on the top step to cheer for India. And I think you see that stuff. You see it in the, in the celebration, of course, with the Viking helmet and the cape. So there's a lot of stuff there that goes on, and I think it's infectious in the, in the to the team. And I, I'm glad that, in a way that the fans are able to see this. Because it, it does sort of uh, add to the excitement, I suppose, of the of the you know, of the team right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. Mark Sheldon joins us. He covers the Reds via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I want to talk about the rest of the NL Central, the National League in general, a little bit more with you coming up in a minute. But is this sustainable with this group? And I guess maybe I should give you a part one and part two. Is it sustainable with this group, or is it sustainable if Nick Quall and company go out and try to get some pitching, considering the injury situations to both Green and Lodolo through August? Is this sustainable in two different fashions here? In one sense, it's sustainable because they've done it so far and the division's pretty weak. But at the same time, if you don't have starting pitching that provides length and give the bullpen a break, you're going to eventually wear these guys out, and it's not sustainable. They will need to go out and get starting pitching help. They cannot wait for Green and Lodola to come back. So they will, they will have to find a way to get some length in their rotation, and they will have to probably go out and try to get somebody to, uh, to help them. You um, had tweeted this yesterday with your conversation with Nick Crawl. Is he going to be open to that? Um, Is there any amount of lip service? Do you buy that they're going to be open to try to improve this pitching staff to go at it now? Is there a time frame? Is there a deadline to where you're still playing like this and it's believable? How do they go about their business as they work toward with this team the trade deadline? Well, I do believe them. I don't think it's lip service. They they have a chance to win, and they wanna they wanna win. They don't, as Nick told me recently, they don't want to have the number one farm system. They want to have the number one team. They want to be in the playoffs. And and right now they have an opportunity to get there. I don't think they're gonna completely gut their farm system and make a stupid trade just to make a trade. They're gonna make trades that make sense for the the current and for the long term. And that's a tough one to do. It's it's. You know, the, the, they, one thing they have going for them is they do have prospect capital. They can part with some extra top, very well-liked prospects without necessarily uh, kneecapping the entire system. So I think they, they have capital in the big league level. They have a lot of players that were getting regular playing time that since some of these prospects have come up and see their playing time slip, and they may not be afraid to trade those guys, and they may have to be able to package them with a pretty, a pretty important prospect or two to make it happen. If you look at last season, the teams that parted with their prospects to the Reds so the Reds could trade Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley, the, the, the return was, was a major haul, especially for Malley. If you look at the results with 
Christian Encarnacion Strand and, and Spencer Steer, that's paying off already. But even the guys that came over in the other trade for Castillo, those guys are doing really well. And they're becoming top prospects too. And two of them just moved up to Triple A. Um, so they're going to they're gonna have to give up a lot to get a pitcher like that back. To Mark Sheldon, who joins us, there's no doubt about that. Um, I mentioned a little bit earlier and asked you the question about the atmosphere. When was the last time a regular season game felt like it did last weekend against the Braves? When was the last time an individual player has brought this type of atmosphere and excitement as Ellie De La Cruz has to the Reds in the past three weeks? When's the last time you saw that? Gosh, I don't know if I have. I mean, Billy Hamilton was certainly – somebody that fans really wanted to see and when he got on first base you knew it was going to run and it was very exciting uh jay bruce when he came up in 08 was the number one prospect in baseball and he hit the ground running i think he had 571 his first week and and really got people excited but i don't know if any of those guys had the kind of uh you know their 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 they had a presence before they even got to the big leagues as much. I mean, you knew Billy Hamilton was coming. You knew Jay Bruce was coming. But everybody knew Ellie De La Cruz was coming. And, and then he comes up and he does some things that people just don't see very often. So I'm not sure that in recent Reds history this could be matched in terms of what one player can do to get the attention. And, and certainly they've been playing well before he got there, but they've been playing really well since he got here. And the fans have really responded. And you can definitely feel the electricity in the ballpark. Man, he seems like he seems like a really legitimately good dude too. That's very happy to be there. Um, and I it just, I mean, it, it, it's really, it's, it's pretty cool to me the way that it looks, the way that he interacts with his teammates, the way that he interacts with with his interpreter, and you know those Jim Day conversations he's had after the games, uh, especially after that cycle game. He, he just, he, he seems like that he is em, embracing and, and kind of soaking up the moment as much as a lot of the fans are right now. Yeah, it seems like he's handling it pretty well. I mean, he's certainly going to have up and down games. He hasn't gotten any really big hits the last couple of days, but uh, he seems not to be overchallenged by any of this. Even when he's facing a tough pitcher and they're doing some things to him, he stays in these at-bats even if he strikes out. And he certainly knows what to do when he gets on base, and he's been fielding his position reasonably well. So, I mean, it's not going to be like this all the time, but at the same time, he, he seems to be handling it all very well. Yeah, no doubt at all about that. Mark Sheldon is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, besides, you know, just the team itself, Ellie uh, De La Cruz and, you know, obviously where this Reds team is right now, uh, who's most impressed you just beyond what we've discussed so far on this team? Individually, collectively, anything come to mind besides the usual suspects of conversation we've had? I mean, it's hard not to be impressed by Andrew Abbott. He's – 4-0 with a 1.21 ERA and five starts, and he basically plays the role of a stopper already, like he did last night, and he's kind of an old-school pitcher that just gets it done with with uh, location and changing speeds, which is really impressive. And, of course, Matt McClain, who basically provided the offense last night to get the win. He's just been hitting since he got up here, and he seems unaffected as well by the attention and by the success and by the team playing so well. He's handling himself really well. I would say those two rookies are – Coupled with Steer and with De La Cruz, just the, four, the four rookies are all doing this very well. And uh, it's, that's a big reason why the team is where it's at. No, there's no doubt about that. I've told everybody around here, obviously, I, I go back, I go all the way back. I mean, I go back to the big red machine and, you know, watching them on Channel 4 here in Indianapolis and, you know, all that, back to that particular era, going to the games over there. But uh, the, the success has been fleeting here recently. And I, I told everybody during that 12-gamer to soak every aspect of it up. 
because you don't know when it's going to leave. You don't know if it's going to come back. You just hope that it's sustainable. But because there's been such a lack of success, have some fun with it. And it appears that most Reds fans, Mark, are doing just that. Having fun with it. It's June. All right, whatever. Doesn't really matter right now. It's June. But Reds fans, I think it's more meaningful because, again, the success has been fleeting. And it seems like that they're all soaking it up, just like, you know, somebody that can actually be a fan who covers teams here in Indianapolis because it's out of market can be a fan of this team and soak it up as well. Well, the fans are enjoying it. It's been a nice time to be a sports fan of Cincinnati because the Bengals are doing well. FC Cincinnati, the soccer team's doing well. The Reds are doing well. And you can definitely feel the the the, the enthusiasm around town when, you, when you're out and about and stuff. The people are really seem to be enjoying the Reds. They had three sellouts last weekend. I know this weekend, with not only that, they have Taylor Swift in town, so there's going to be a lot of action going on downtown this weekend, and uh, it's it's going to be wild. And I think it's cool to see the ballpark full. You know, a lot of years in this, these past few seasons, when they do have good crowds, it's usually because the other team is drawing well, like the Cubs or the Mets or the Yankees or the Dodgers and the Braves. They, they bring in all their fans, and they dominate most of the noise. And when the Reds were playing the Yankees a couple months ago, it was almost all Yankee fans, and it felt like a Yankee home game. But now that the Reds are playing well and the fans have responded, you definitely feel that it's a Reds home game and they have a home field advantage and they really do seem to feed off the energy from the fans. So this weekend you've got the Reds and Padres. You've got FC Cincinnati and Taylor Swift all on the same night. Is that true? I believe it's true, yes. Whoa. That would be a fun night in Cincinnati right there. That's a good one. Oh, if, you're, if you're driving down from Indy, I would drive down early and get your parking quickly. <laughs> no question about that. Hey, Mark, we're going to stay in touch uh, again because this is – and you're right. You look at the NL Central, and there's a lot of weakness right there. So if you get on a run like that and, you know, you start to believe, maybe it is sustainable within that division. But we'll get back with you at uh, a later date and see what they're doing. But it's been fun to watch. And thanks for jumping on the show today. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. It's uh, Mark Sheldon of MLB.com, the uh, longtime beat guy with the Reds over in Cincinnati. You know, it's funny. I was uh, just reading something inside the lounge via YouTube Live. If you guys want to go there, you can. I mean, you can watch and listen and also participate. But I want to get back to what somebody said here. I think it was something Queen said, baseball is for old farts. Now, now BT, you're an old fart. Uh, I'm an old fart. But is baseball for old farts? Because I will say this, this old fart. This old, this old fart right here thought that the pitching clock was stupid. I go, man, I don't want that. What are they doing that for? I think the pitching clock has been outstanding. I, and I have, that, to me, that's noticeable in these games. The whole expedited process of these games and these moments, and it makes it more enjoyable, and it's not like that I'm sitting around for four hours watching this. I mean, any more of these things are up and gone. Old farts. I love what they've done with the pitching clock. Absolutely love it. And I love what they're doing. I mean, every dugout's got a different way to celebrate a home run with a different hat or cloak or cape or something. Yeah, it just brings out the personality of these dudes. And if you mentioned yesterday, Spencer Steer has a great personality, much like a lot of his teammates. 
We'll see. I'll get back to that coming up on the other side, too. Chris Denary, top of the 4 o'clock hour, is going to join us. We'll talk about the Pacers moving into the month of July and the moves they may or may not make. At the top of that list, is it Jeremy Grant, as we talked about yesterday? Who might it be? DeAndre Hunter? With the Atlanta Hawks, any interest there? Uh, we'll jump back to that coming up to Nary Top of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll get Stephen Holder in here regarding Isaiah Rogers and that tweet from Adam Schefter about what is forthcoming for him and a handful of other NFL players that it is going to be a year-long suspension. We'll talk about that with Stephen Holder and more coming up as well. Walk-ons were downtown on South Meridian. You're just going to sit down and just start talking. That's all right, man. Well, look, you got look, look in the, the video screen right there. You can see everybody right there. That's BT Do right there. Walk-ons downtown. We are here until 6 o'clock looking for you. Reds fan BT Do with us as well. Quick break. We're back with you next. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Nachos, lemonheads, my dad's boat. You won't go down because my... 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. We are walk-ons downtown. I would love to see you down here as well. Love to see you down here. Thanks for joining us. I have just learned that evidently we have people that have multi-names and or handles inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Come on now. Come on. It's like one. Is this somebody that's been, like, put out the pasture and then brought himself back? I guess we can't have that. Come on now. One and only. I want the one and the original. I, I don't want offshoots of any of that stuff. Come on now. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, by the way, is where you can go. You can participate and you can watch and you can listen to the show. Mark Sheldon, who covers the Reds and has for a long time, a little bit earlier. And that podcast, our podcast, I should say, will be up at uh, 1075thefan.com. Reds and Oils coming up later on tonight, a part of that uh, MLB schedule for you. And uh, getting a win last night, getting a win last night with another lengthy rain delay, as we had talked about on the show yesterday with Spencer Steer. Kind of wondered the other night when exactly they were going to go ahead and bring out the tarp for that. Uh, And then last night, a lengthy rain delay, but the Reds ended up getting through it, getting off that three-game losing slide and uh, back into it. And they get the Orioles coming up later on tonight. Mark Sheldon was really good. And if you mentioned, by the way, if you're a Reds fan, if you missed Spencer Steer from yesterday, uh, you can check that out at 1075thefan.com. Yeah, there are a lot of things going on right now, especially uh, in terms of Colts news. Of course, you got the training camp dates that have been mentioned. It looks like there's a Wednesday that is going to be a night practice with the Bears. So I'm assuming that will be one in which I can be out there and do this show leading up to. I think part of the issue last year with the few times that I was out there, and in fact, I don't even know if I was out there last year. Maybe at least once, but part of the issue is it's this particular time slot because when they go early, everything is done, and then I'm not going to go out there and basically hang out in the parking lot. So we didn't do that. 
But this year, it looks like a schedule in training camp is going to be more cohesive with being able to do some things, which I like a great deal. Get out there for a night practice, get some guys on the air, talk them up a little bit. Uh, That is going to be nice. But that was released. You can find that, I'm sure, at Colts.com if you're looking for it, too. And I mentioned, you know, yesterday the Goreman had sent me a text about a giveaway that he wants to do with this show for really, in general, big-time Colts fans or just fans in general. I mean, he can be a fan of anything, right? So we were talking about that last night. I think he's going to come on the show tomorrow and announce all the details on that. But that is going to be something really cool that I promise you. Uh, Colts fan or not, you're going to absolutely love and want to be a part of. So that is coming up, I believe, on tomorrow's show when he mentioned. I think he's on a flight today and mentioned tomorrow he's going to come on, and we'll talk that up. Always trying to give you those experiences and those opportunities, and we will again, I believe, with that info coming at you tomorrow. So maintain that right here. Tomorrow, by the way, is a tavern tour stop with Brent Halverson. We're going to be live at Irea's, not too far, southeast side, near southeast side of downtown. That is coming up tomorrow with a tavern tour stop for you. And that should be an absolute blast at Irea's. Again, walk-ons, we're here downtown. It is brand new. Uh, downtown, really catty corner from Union Station here, or what used to be known as, well, I guess it still is known as Union Station, but catty corner from that in this entrance, and it is mammoth. It is magnificent, and you, I promise, will love it. And I mentioned a little bit earlier that Todd Johnson is one of the owners. Uh, Todd Johnson is a friend of this show. Todd Johnson owns the Mucky Duck, in which we do shows, especially during the football season down on the south side at Southport in 65. But Todd's involved in this with, I believe, a handful of former NFL players one being Hall of Famer Derek Brooks. So we'll see. He had mentioned that. Hey, do you want to get uh, Derek on the show later on today? And as you know, when we talk to Hall of Famers, we absolutely love to get those guys on the show. But I think Derek Brooks is a part of this. I think Drew Brees is a part of this. And uh, maybe even Booger McFarland as well. So we'll talk to Todd about that coming up a little bit later on and maybe get Derek Brooks on this show coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. I'd also mention the situation with the Pacers yesterday that the Summer League, uh, Summer League in Las Vegas and their roster. And a lot of you were a bit surprised because both Matherin and Nimhard were a part of it. Now, A, you really don't know how much. You really don't know how much anybody's going to play, even if they are a part of this particular roster. So to me, that's not the biggest of deals. But what is more interesting about this is the you, you get guys like Isaiah Jackson out there again. And we kind of wonder what's going to transpire with this particular roster. You know, what they may or may not do. Are they in the category of what you might call suitors for Harrison Barnes? And I've heard both negative and positive. I will say this. I don't think Harrison Barnes brings a negative. Now, as far as where he can take you, I think that's the debate. You know, what you expect out of him, what he can give you, that's the debate. Or I guess in terms of this, what he can give you that raises the bar on the team that you have. Because that's the expectation. I mean, the expectation is he's going to be able to give you something. He's going to shoot it. He's going to score. 
I mean, he's going to be professional about it. He's got relationships prior with Tyrese Halliburton. I'm assuming Buddy Heald as well in Sacramento with Rick Carlisle when Rick Carlisle and he were both in Dallas. So there are previous relationships there. So it makes sense from that standpoint. I just don't know how much all of a sudden you would raise the bar. But I think what we noticed from last year's team is that you need – you need more players to be able to fill the gaps that we saw, especially when Halliburton went down, especially when, when they went through that slide. And to me, you want somebody. Because people have said, all right, Jarris Walker is immediately going to start. I can't tell you that I believe that. And I can't tell you that I would necessarily want it. I mentioned this last year with Benedict Matherin. It didn't matter to me that he didn't start. I just wanted to see him grow and become a more debatable subject to be a starter. And you know what he did? Just that. That's exactly what he did. He became that. And that's what I'm looking for with Walker. I think one of these days he's going to be a fine piece to this team that is necessary. But it's not like he's going to walk through that door and be that immediately. I mean, if he does, great. Now, I will say this. It didn't take you very long to start soaking up Benedict Matherin and really liking what he does. But yeah, last year, as far as starting, that became a debatable point. All right, why is he not starting? What are they waiting on? It didn't matter. And it's not going to matter to me either with Walker this year. You just want to know that he is going to be rotational. If he's better than that, then so be it. But you want him to be rotational to me. And I've said the same thing about Anthony Richardson. You just want to know that he is ready to play the position. And the the case of Richardson, you want to know that he's ready to play the position as a starter. But as far as Harrison Barnes, I don't really look at that. And, And, again, there are reports today that in Sacramento they really want to bring him back. So, ultimately, maybe that's what happens. But I've seen both the good and the bad in responses to what has been reported Pacer interest. And to me, there's nothing bad about it. There is not an, you know, an oh wow factor by any stretch where you think automatically, you know, the ceiling raises on this team. But you know what he's going to give. You know what he's going to bring. That would be your expectation. That would be something we would have to see. But I think you can understand from a variety of ways why the Pacers would have interest. i give you a great example. Uh, For me, I think Jeremy Grant would help this team and help this team immediately. And I bring him up in saying this, that I don't think there's any way in hell that they're going to have an interest level that would be conducive to having much of a conversation about it. And on the backside of that, I don't think he's going to leave Portland. I think he's going to stay there. Uh, Again, Portland's kind of all over the map about what they're wanting to do. You know, whether they're wanting to keep Lillard and win right now or start new with Scoot Henderson, shade and sharp, start that new era there. So it stands to reason that a decision is going to have to come. But to me, I think Jeremy Grant helps in that situation on the wing on both ends of the floor. And he has put up numbers, and he has been in some really odd situations in the past. I mean, an odd situation where he put up some numbers in OKC. Same thing in Detroit. 
I think you would characterize a year ago in Portland as a little bit odd. So some stability and being a part of a growing team that's not kind of caught in the middle. That's one thing that Portland is right now that the Pacers aren't. They're caught in the middle. All right, what should be done here? You trying to win right now? You going to try to move forward with one of your all-time greatest players? Or are you going to start new? So I just think he would be a fantastic piece. And, and again, you know, people want to argue, well, this is what he wants to get paid. I'm not talking about what he wants to get paid. I'm talking about how he would fit what the Pacers deem as necessary right now. He has that. I think he has that better than anybody out there that has been mentioned with them, more so than DeAndre Hunter, more so than Harrison Barnes, more so than Grant Williams. But I can't sit here and tell you I believe that's going to happen because there's too much working against it. We'll talk about that with Kristen Airy coming up at the top of the hour as well. As I mentioned, Stephen Holder's going to join us at the 5 o'clock hour. The tidbit of news that did slide today from Adam Schefter is that forthcoming, there is going to be a punishment handed down from the NFL with a handful of NFL players, including Colts cornerback Isaiah Rodgers, and it is going to be a year-long suspension. And again, this is not surprising to anybody. This is exactly what we expected. It is, again, it is just mind-numbing to believe that a player, and I'm not going to say the magnitude of the player here, because it's not like you were going to think this guy was going to be all pro or anything like that, but he had a legitimate chance. Not only is he going to you know, miss out on a couple of million dollars, but he had a legitimate chance of really showing what he has, be able to show what he has here this year, you know, considering the secondary. You get rid of Stephon Gilmore. You know what you have and you don't have back there. But instead, you're going to lose an entire year. And that's what's tough in the NFL because you lose an entire year that you can't get back. And really, these careers in the NFL average about three and a half years anyway. So you just punted one on just an outrageously stupid decision. That to me is amazing. We'll see if anything breaks concretely coming up before the end of this show. And, of course, sitting right here, I'll have it for you. Walk-ons, we're downtown on South Meridian. Great food, great beverage, and we are looking for you down there today on a Wednesday. Might as well celebrate, right? I mean, we're inside right now. We do have the doors open. We're inside. This is a very low, maybe the lowest I've ever seen of air quality day here in central Indiana. I can't even remember talking about it, much less talking about it at this length. But you can definitely see it looks like something out of a Star Wars film out here. It's really weird. But that is, again, the Canadian smoke. Yeah, not Canadian smoke in terms of what I talk about, like Natasha Hentridge. Uh, this is Canadian smoke coming from wildfires there. And it is just a ugly day. So you kind of wonder what it might look like without this. This would probably be a fantastic day without it. This is really weird looking around here. So join us inside Walk-Ons. We are downtown inside the lounge via YouTube Live if you want to go there. The uh, HD is working inside your car. If you have that, check it out. The stream, the app at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last words were, I'm on drugs. and 107.5, The Fan. I'm at Walk-Ons downtown. I'm looking for you. We have the doors wide open. The welcome mat is out on the new Walk-Ons location. It is downtown Indy off South Meridian. Thank you for joining us. Mark Sheldon of MLB.com a little bit earlier talking about the Reds, the National League Central, the surprises. Uh, We didn't get into the disappointments being on the top of that list, being the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinal fans, I do like giving it to you. I mean, I do. But at this point in time, I don't think this is going to happen per the format, which is usual with the Cardinals. You know, normally in late August and September, they just kind of transform into an ass whipper. And I don't think they're going to do that this year. So I kind of take the opportunity to rip on Cardinal fans right now to have fun with you. Because, again, who knows when this thing with the Reds is going to end. Hopefully it doesn't. But who knows when it's going to end. But we talked to Mark Sheldon about the Central. Talked to Mark about the surprise Reds. L.A. De La Cruz and that phenomenon over there. And really more so than anything else. And you saw this with the Bengals. You saw it with the Bengals when they finally started winning. How starved fans were for that over there. And you saw that in terms of the Reds last weekend against the Braves. You saw it. I mean, you saw a fan base that had been long since starved for any level of consistent winning, even if that consistency is in the form of over 12 games. didn't matter, and it shouldn't matter. should not matter. That is a fan base that loves the Reds, but they have been so awful for the most part. Last year was just absolutely unwatchable. But you can't see. I'm telling you, you look at the Colts just like we talked about the Pacers last year. Colts fans are looking for anything right now, too. You know, they're not as as win-starved, success-starved as Bengal fans were. Oh, that's a couple of decades right there. But they're pretty starved right now. Part of the Colts situation is this. You've been told so much over the years, told so much about, well, this is what they're going to do. You know, they're going to win. They're going to be good. They're going to win the division. This is what you can expect. And, you know, that comes from the top on down. And I've mentioned this before, what the Pacers did last year is say, hey, you know what? Oftentimes, this thing may be ugly. This thing may not look good. And what did they do? They over-delivered. The Colts have to over-deliver in some form or fashion, have to show you something. And if it's not the quarterback, because, again, I don't have any grand expectations for Anthony Richardson as a rookie, but I do think that they have pieces that can help, and that's when I talk about Jonathan Taylor. And when people talk about Jonathan Taylor, well, it's a running back. Why would you want to extend him? Because, you know, the running back shouldn't matter. That's just throwing money away. I mean, you look at how the running back position is viewed around the NFL, and in a lot of places it is. But in this place, it shouldn't be. 
Because what else you got going on for you? What else is happening with you? You're going to need him. They're going to need him. Your rookie quarterback is going to need him. Now, make no mistake. And I know you can make the argument, well, you know, Saquon Barkley's in a situation like this. And look, I mean, the Giants were surprised and went to the postseason last year. I'm just talking about getting up off the mat of embarrassment. That's what the Colts were a year ago. A clown show, an embarrassment. He's necessary just to do that. He is necessary just to do that. So to me, I view him differently than how you view Saquon Barkley in New York, differently how you viewed Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, you know, how you may view Eckler with the Chargers. I just view it differently because this is a part of the survival of raising the bar this season from an embarrassment and at the same time helping out your rookie quarterback. This is, to me, what is drastically different than what is most every other running back around the NFL. Yeah, I know you bring up the stat all the time in the past, however many Super Bowls, that a, a fifth or a sixth-round running back was what was being utilized. I'm not talking about a Super Bowl. I'm not talking about an AFC title game. I'm not talking about the postseason. I'm talking about trying to lift up a fan base – that was absolutely embarrassed by the level of play and all that went on here last year. And you're trying to do that with a guy at quarterback, again, hopefully starting week number one, that's played 13 games in the past. Trying to do that with a great unknown. So how do you do it? You rely on somebody that you want to rely on, somebody you should be able to rely on, and that makes his situation, and that makes the running back situation here differently than it is in most places around the NFL. That's why it's different. Quick break and we shall return. Daenerys coming up on the other side. We'll talk about a lot of things going on as we approach free agency in the NBA. Chris Denary, who is the voice. By the way, Chris Denary was an award winner. I think he went to Winston-Salem to accept a, uh, a Broadcaster of the Year award, which is awesome. Talk to Chris about that coming up at the top of the hour. Stephen Holder on the latest regarding Isaiah Rogers. Uh, a year is what the expectation is. That's more solidly reported by Adam Schefter, nothing concrete yet. But again, we all expected that anyway. So we'll talk to Stephen Holder about that and then some coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Walk-ons downtown South Meridian looking for you. Great food, incredible beverages, cocktails and more right here. Great new place here in India. It's called Walk-ons. Hour 2 straight ahead with you. 93.5107.5 The Fam. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Hey, you going to stare all day or are you going to buy something? Uh, I'm going to stare all day. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, so welcome back. We're at Walk-Ons on South Meridian. My man Billy's here, BT's here, Phil Burton. IMPD commander, friend of the show, was down here a little bit earlier. I'm looking over the menu. They had sent me out something, and I didn't realize it until I was a couple in here. I am dining on some gator right now. 
There is a huge Cajun flair in here with the food that we need to talk about. The story's interesting, too. It's right here in front of me. Uh, this place is called Walk-Ons again. Todd Johnson is the owner. Todd's going to join us a little bit later on. Uh, another one of the owners is Hall of Fame linebacker Derek Brooks of uh, the Buccaneers. I think we're going to try to get him on as well. But you had a couple of different NFL guys that are also involved in this. I was asking this question inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I love Gator. Seriously, that's what I ate, right, was Gator? Yeah, I could tell. I didn't know it at the beginning, but I could tell now. I love You guys had Gator before, haven't you? Oh, I love it. I know BT's a big fan of the Cajun flavor, too. Crawfish etouffees on this menu. Yes. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Po' boys all over the place. Get down here and join us, too. Uh, we shall eat and drink and be happy on this Wednesday. Still to come, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, is going to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Mark Sheldon of MLB.com a little bit earlier, too. Uh, we've talked a little bit of baseball, a little bit about the Colts, Isaiah Rogers' situation where it appears that he's about ready to be banished from the NFL for the entirety of the year. We'll go over that with Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon, he is an award-winning friend of the show. Voice of the Pacers on Bally Sports Indiana, Kristen Airy, joins us. All right, so how was the trip down to Winston-Salem to receive your Broadcaster of the Year honors? I'll tell you what, John, it, it was a fantastic trip. So many great people there, uh, the number of NBA people that I know, number of people uh, you know, from across the country that I've met over the years. And uh, it was a first-class A-plus event and uh, very happy that I had a chance to uh, go down there and uh, accept the award. I did not go in 2020. I kind of wish I would have now. But it, was in the, it was during the pandemic and stuff. I thought, yeah, that's probably the only reason why I won is because there was no sports going on for about three months. <laughs> no, I think, I think you'll be a winner again, my friend. I, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, what's really cool about the event is uh, you know, Ian Eagle was the national uh, oh. sportscaster of the year. I mean, yep. he, he's tremendous. Great uh, Pete Thamel, uh, Pete Thamel uh, was the national sports writer of the year. Um, just so many fantastic people there. Had a chance to visit with Bob Ryan, uh, sat in on one of his sessions. The, I think the most important thing, John, that I really enjoyed, they probably had over 100 college students there uh, who are aspiring sportscasters and, and, and sports writers. And we had uh, sessions with them where, you know, we, we talked to them about our, our careers, how we got there. Um, you know, just the, the state of the business. And, and you know, I'm near the end. And so it's great to, to be able to give back and, and to uh, mentor a little bit. And so I made a lot of good friends down there, and I'm sure there will be some uh, kids reaching out, and I'm always glad to help. It's uh, Kristen Airy who joins us. So you and Bob were both down there for that. Bob won on the uh, reporting or print side of, of the ledger down there. But now I've heard nothing but good things about that. And, and Ian Eagle's a huge um, friend of this show. He comes on whenever we ask him to come on. In fact, I've got to send him some uh, Larceny bourbon to New Jersey at some point, too. So, yes, we love Ian Eagle. Oh, he's fantastic. I mean, he is as versatile and as talented as any broadcaster in the business. He can do a Thursday night football game on radio on West, on Westwood One. Friday night, he can do a Brooklyn Nets TV game 
on uh, Yes Network, and then on Sunday he'll do an NFL game on CBS Television. Uh, and and to to my point, I've done this now. Next year will be my 18th year. Um, when I started, you know, back in 2006, the Iron Eagles, the Mike Breens were so good uh, in helping me and ask and answering questions that I had. Yeah. I mean, they are they you know they are so very very talented, but they're great people too. No, no doubt about that. Uh, Kristen Airy with us. So I'm assuming that um, there's going to be some interest going on with this Pacer team. Let's double back to almost a week ago now on a Thursday night in the draft. Um, what did you think about what transpired? And maybe even more so, what did you think about what they tried to do as well? And oftentimes that's what happens. You try to do something that doesn't work out. As an end result, they added some players to the process. We'll start with Jarris Walker uh, at number eight overall after that trade with Washington. How do you think he fits? Because to me, Chris, I don't look at him as a starter like many do right away. I just want to see him become rotational. It's kind of what I felt about Matherin last year. I mean, I didn't mind that Matherin didn't start, but he worked his way into where that debate was officially underway. And I hope the same thing happens to Walker. Yeah, I, I don't think we, you know, we, we get too concerned in, in my estimation about starting or coming off the bench. We saw Benedict Matherin get plenty of minutes uh, in a reserve role last year, and then late in the year uh, they used him as a starter. I just think Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard give the Pacers some defensive presence that they're looking to add to the team. I mean, Chad Buchanan was, uh, I think, very forthright on the morning show last week saying, hey, we all know the offense was really good. We just need the defense to be a lot better. And so I think with Jairus Walker, with his body, with his wingspan, with his ability to play next to Miles Turner, and then with Shepard, I mean, while everybody, you know, touts his three-point shooting and his athleticism, um, you know, I've been told and watching some of the things that I've seen, I mean, he's, he's a very willing defender. And at Belmont would take on, when he was the leading scorer, he was still taking on the number one offensive threat. So I think on, on both ends, they, they got two very good players. And, and if you look at the last number of drafts, I mean, you have Duarte and Jackson, uh, last year Nemhard and Matherin, and this year uh, the two first-round picks in, in Shepard and, and Walker, and, and definitely guys that, you know, have, have worked their way into the rotation and, um, you, you know, a lot of young guys, but uh, they're, they're up to the task. Uh, Kristen Aries with us. I, I would agree with you, too. Um, and, again, I can't lie. I wanted to see some fireworks as the, the draft got closer and closer. Um, it kind of was evident that we weren't going to see any. And I wanted to see it in terms of uh, being able to add, you know, a young talent, but at the same time being able to, to cultivate or add an already established player in terms of a wing or something like that. And as the draft got closer, it became evident that that wasn't going to occur. But there's still an opportunity here, I would assume, coming up in the next three weeks to do something like that. What do you think the activity is going to be for Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan going into the next three weeks as free agency is underway, not just with free agency in general, with money they have to spend, but maybe in the trade market, which is going to be apparently robust once again? Yeah, I think the biggest, the, the biggest situation is, and if, if you hear a little uh, wowing and uh, yelling, that's my year-and-a-half-old year grandson. We're, it's Archer. We're sitting here on the porch, and he is 
he is excited to see his grandpa uh, do some radio. Uh, nice. But, That's okay, man. It fits yeah. right in. You kind of oh, sound yeah, like so. all my callers yesterday right there. That's good. <laughs> Tell Archer. Fits right in. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think the thing is, John, you know, the, the Pacers have plenty of cap space, and they're in a situation where uh, the, the new CBA is a little bit different. It worked to the Pacers' advantage last year when they had the money that they could pay Miles Turner, sign the extension, and give him the money uh, during the 22-23 season. Uh, I think now you're in a situation where you have money, uh, as Kevin Pritchard has said, optionality. And going back to the draft, I mean, other than the, 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 tr- the major trades that were made, uh, the Bradley Beal trade, uh, Chris Paul then being routed to Golden State, really nothing else really happened. I, I think that the draft probably went yeah. the way that most people thought because a lot of people think, okay, going in, there's going to be a lot of fireworks. But then usually it doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, I think that'll all start to happen this week. You know, you're getting me right before the moratorium starts, as you know, at some point. Uh, once free agency starts, uh, we've got to go quiet. But, but I do think the Pacers have a number of options. Uh, they want to continue to build the roster. And I, I think they're in a very good position because they've got some good young players. Uh, they've got, you know, players who are assets. Uh, but they have an opportunity to continue to build. And, um, you know, I listened to your interview last week with Walker and Shepard, and they're excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think Jairus Walker side-by-side side with Miles Turner is going to be really good. I think Shepard, uh, however he fits in, is going to really relish playing with Tyrese Halliburton. So I, I think there's a lot of uh, positives going into the next few weeks, and we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I'd agree as well. Um, so everything is basically talked about with the Pacers has to do with a wing. So is this one of these situations where, and I know that's how you look at Walker, but a veteran wing, is that kind of a have to in the next three or so weeks or even beyond? Let's just say before the start of the season is for them to find a veteran wing of some sort. Is that what you would get? Well, yeah, I would guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a have to from the standpoint that I think that you can have players improve organically, right? And if you look at the Pacers roster, uh, somebody like Aaron Neesmith, who really took a huge step last year after being traded from Boston, uh, Jordan Wara, who the Pacers were able to get at the trade deadline, uh, who was a second round pick, I thought did a really nice job uh, playing mostly at the four position. So I think part of it, John, is going to be players growing organically. Um, you saw the um, summer league roster. Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard uh, are on the roster. We don't know how many games they'll play of the five in, in Las Vegas. But the other thing I would say is in May and June, and um, I, I talked to Shane Whittington, who the former Pacer is back as one of the student coaches. And he said last week, 11 guys were in the building working out. 11 of the players, 15-man roster, got together for informal workouts. I think that says a lot about what this group wants to do. And so you can improve, um, you know, organically. And the Pacers went from 25 to 35 wins. You know, they're hoping that they could take that next step. Um, so I just think there are so many different ways you can go. And that's, that's the beauty. The Pacers are probably in as good a shape as anybody in the NBA as far as having flexibility with the roster, with cap space, 
all those kinds of things. And so I think they have all those options at their disposal over the next week or so. So Chris Dary, voice of the Pacers, with us, along with grandson Archer, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. Um, you, you look at... You look at a guy like Buddy Heald, and I make this argument all the time, and I, I, I guess me making this argument, they'd have about 90 guys on this roster. But my argument, Chris, is more shaped and formed into them expediting the winning process, you know, not waiting two years. I hope they win in two years, but I hope they really get something started on that track this year. Thus, I find it really hard to believe that they can have the same – type of output and success offensively if they deal Buddy Heald. And I know some of the pitfalls that may come after if they don't. Um, and I certainly understand with Buddy, uh, for a team defensively that struggled mightily, uh, it doesn't look like that he has much of a ceiling to improve defensively. But it is his, not just his shooting from distance, it's making. His making ability and his availability and the fact that you have to tag him wherever he is on the floor whenever he's in there. That, to me, is yeah. something I don't think – I don't think this Pacer team can withstand if they lose that. 42 to 44% three-point shooters are not growing on trees. I mean, there are a lot of talented three-point shooters out in the NBA. But, as you said, his ability to make tough shots, uh, take shots – he has a great relationship yeah. with Tyrese Halliburton. I thought he did a really nice job late in the year accepting his role of coming off the bench. When they made the change and decided to put Matherin in the starting lineup, Buddy was still an integral part of the rotation. He just did it in different minutes off the bench. And so I'm with you, John. I mean, you've got to have guys that can put the ball in the basket. Uh, the Pacers had one of the top offenses in the NBA last year. We, we've said ad nauseum, have to get better defensively, but you have to have guys that can make shots. And I think we saw uh, in the NBA playoffs, I mean, one of the reasons, you know, Miami's a really good defensive team, but one of the reasons they got to the NBA finals were, was in a number of those series, you had Max Struess, you had Duncan Robinson, you had Gabe Vincent, all making significant three-point shot contributions. So uh, I'm with you. I, I think you've got to have guys that, that can stretch the floor, that are threats, and there's no question that Buddy Heald is that. Yeah, and I, I just – you mentioned this earlier, Chris, in terms of this team winning. I'll give you a great example. So I talked to Chad Buchanan uh, about a month ago, and, and he had mentioned that, you know, you know, in a couple of years is what he said before we talked about – you know, this coming year. And I said, you know, that's not my expectation. My expectation is, you know, to get on the board and, you know, to be viable within the playoff picture in some form coming up, you know, this, this coming year. And when I talked to Tyrese Halliburton before the race, he was out with us in Pagoda Plaza. That's how he feels too. So I, I can imagine, you mentioned these guys working out and working hard at it right now. I can imagine these guys probably don't want to hear as much about what is hopefully coming down the road as much as they, they hope to get better this year and to have an impact with this group this year. You agree? Yeah, I agree. And, and, and that's why they were there in early May uh, with that voluntary uh, opportunity to, to, to get together because, you know, the, play, the, the regular season ended April the 9th. Uh, you had the play-in tournament, and then the next weekend uh, started the, the first round of the playoffs. And 
um, here were these guys, you know, it was very early May that they were all coming back after maybe a couple of weeks off. And that would have hit right at the end of the first round into the second round. That's, that's what they want to be a part of. And so that's why uh, I think to a man, uh, you saw the group get together in each of the last two months. Um, you know, summer league will be important for some of those young players uh, leading into Vegas. August is usually the quiet month. That's when most people, coaching staff, front office, players have some time off. And then they'll regather uh, sometime in early to mid-September before training camp and unofficially start working out getting ready for next year. So I think you have a really, really good group. Uh, It can't be understated the type of leadership that Tyrese Halliburton provides. I've said, you know, he's the Pied Piper. I mean, people follow him. And I think it's not just the people that are currently on his team, but I think there are going to be other players across the NBA that are going to want to play with him. And I think uh, that's one of the most important things that the Pacers have uh, going for them as they move forward the next few years. It's uh, Kristen Airy, who is the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports, Indiana, broadcaster of the year of the state of Indiana. Kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, I wasn't surprised yesterday that Nimhart and Matherin were on the list to the roster for the summer league coming up in Vegas. Because, again, you don't necessarily play very much, even if you are on the roster. Um, but that, that part didn't surprise me. Maybe a little bit more of the surprise was that of, of Isaiah Jackson being on there. Were you surprised yeah, by that? Uh, maybe a little bit, but I, I think opportunity to have official practices uh, with the coaching staff. Uh, they'll start summer league practice on Saturday, and I think they're uh, at the Ascension St. Vincent Center through the 5th, and then they head out to Vegas. So you never know how many games uh, those guys will play, but the ability to have all those practices, John, I think is the most important thing. Yeah. That you th- you th- so you think that weighs with these guys more than anything else right here? Yeah, I mean. The, the, that, that, that guy in particular, I guess. I mean, yeah, but here's, here's the thing. I mean, can you imagine Benedict Matherin not wanting to practice? I mean, this guy, I mean, this guy, uh, when he went through his workout last year before he was drafted by the Pacers, he asked if he could come back to the gym and shoot with under the guidance of head coach Rick Carlisle. So there's no question, I think, for a guy like Benedict Matherin, and and the same with Andrew Nemhart. They just want opportunities to get reps. I mean, these guys are are true competitors. Again, I I don't know uh, how many games that they'll play in Vegas. I mean, what that schedule will be. But um, I would imagine that, that we'll see them at some point uh, because, you know, they're going to practice uh, getting ready for summer league uh, this weekend. What do you expect to schedule? And, again, I always watch you guys, so it's not like I change. But, you know, that's always meaningful when the schedule does ultimately pop. You think they'll have more nationally, so-called nationally televised games, if you will, ESPN, TNT, something like that, than certainly we saw this past year? Yeah, last year we had one, and we were able to go side-by-side side with that game, and I think it was the fourth or fifth game of the year it was in it was. Washington. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know, John. I mean, a lot will be dictated uh, by what happens over the next two or three weeks as far as teams are concerned. I mean, you know, San Antonio had – I don't know if they had a national game last year. They're going to have a lot because of Wimbayama. Um, And so free agency and trades and all of that over the course of the next three weeks will really dictate what that national schedule looks like. 
And I think we usually get the schedule sometime around the second week of August. So, you know, hopeful. I mean, hopeful that uh, the Pacers with somebody like Tyrese Halliburton, who was a first-time All-Star, can get a little bit more national run. But uh, I think people know that, you know, we're the place to go. We've got the games. And and last year I was pleased to be able to do every game. I mean, it's, yeah. it's tough when you have to sit out. And uh, so we were pretty happy last year that we got to do all 82. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. I do. I, I just um, – I thought last year – and I bring this up all the time. I thought last year was a genius move of, of underselling and over-delivering. I mean, I, re- I remember Rick Carlisle in October being on this show and, and you know, and, and urging people, you know, not to freak out over losses and bad games because this is a work in progress. And then, Chris, you know, they ultimately over-delivered. You know, winning 10 more games, they over-delivered. And really, in this fashion, that's what the Colts have to do this year. I mean, they have to over-deliver on the product, which was at the bottom of the barrel a year ago. And that's what Colts fans are hoping for. But I just I kind of want to see them play off of that. I just thought that when Halliburton, they hit that run in December before Halliburton got injured, that a piece or two can be added. And then you watch what Miami did. And I know they have Jimmy Butler, who's in the postseason. He's Mr. Postseason and all that. But as you adequately mentioned earlier, it was so much more than just him, too. I mean, he made big shots, don't get me wrong, but there were also those around him that got better over that time. And I'd just like to catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle that you could also utilize further down the road, as certainly the Pacers plan on doing. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what certain teams do. I mean, what does Chicago do? Uh, Do they break up? Uh, DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic. Uh, you know, Washington is already somewhat going on into a fire sale. What's Toronto going to do? So it's going to be interesting to see what all of these teams do. But to your point, I mean, off the floor, uh, I-, I thought our organization had a fantastic year from a ticket sales standpoint, sponsorship. Uh, the building was electric all year long. Uh, we had a company uh, – sort of gathering today at uh, Dave and Buster's. And it was really a chance uh, for Kevin Pritchard and and the whole management crew really to thank everybody for all they've done from, you know, the person that sweeps the floors to the people that sell the tickets. I mean, everybody is super important uh, with Pacer sports and entertainment at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, we had a draft party last week at Midtown in Carmel, and I think we had about a thousand people there. Uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy, and and you're right. That run in December told people a lot, and they were 23 and 18. They were 23 and 18, and I think fifth in the East when we went to Madison Square Garden in New York in in January, and that's when Tyrese got hurt. Now, I don't know through 41 games if they were truly the fifth best team of the East. But the record had shown it. And then Tyrese gets hurt. I think he missed 10 or 11 games. Pacers go 1-9, and 1-10. And, 10. and uh, you know, then the, the story of the season was different. But uh, there's no question that you've, you've got to stay healthy. Um, but uh, I, I, like what, I like what they're doing. And, uh, again, the next few weeks are going to be uh, important to watch as they continue to build. No doubt about that. It's Kristen Airy with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. There's a lot going on. We'll see what more we can talk about coming up, hopefully, in the next three weeks or though. Because I, I still say that they're going to be, you know, among the teams that are going to be active 
uh, they're going to be one of those. It may not be, again, you know, these old wild type of moments, but I think there's going to be some interesting activity, Chris, there forthcoming. No question, and uh, I just want to backtrack. Uh, I know I sent a text out on Friday. John, I think I may have seen one of the best baseball games I've ever watched in my life on Friday night uh, when De La Cruz hit. Yes, yes, Archer. Ellie. Archer just screamed Ellie. Yes. Yeah, he heard me mention De La Cruz, but De La Cruz goes for the cycle. Joey Votto hits a couple of uh, homers. It's 11-7 to seven in the top yeah. of the eighth, and the Braves hit three home runs. Um, I was sitting uh, – the great thing for me is I had never met John Sadak or Barry Larkin, and I was able to meet them. And then I met Tommy Thrall and Brantley, and I was like a kid in the candy store, you know, as a longtime Reds fan. But I was sitting right behind the Reds dugout with next to four guys from Louisville, Kentucky, that I had never met before. And when all this is happening, we're high-fiving. It was, it was cool to be a fan. Um, I don't get that opportunity too often, but it was a lot of fun. That's awesome right there. And you're right. I was talking to Mark Sheldon earlier, and uh, he didn't know if he'd ever seen, you know, a, a series and a couple of games like he'd witnessed regular season-wise with the Reds last week with the Braves. And you know what? That's a fan base that needed that. It needed that yeah. shot of adrenaline, much like the Bengals fans in Cincinnati needed, you know, what the Bengals started for them a couple of years ago now that you know, continues moving forward because it has been long and a sad most of the time history with both in mind, especially in recent years. But, man, you could see how much that there was a win-fun-starved Reds fan base last weekend against the Braves. I parked down by the football stadium and then walked whatever that street is that's full of restaurants and bars, and it was packed before the game, and after the game it was packed. And I was talking to a number of people with the Reds. You know, back in April they had a game where they had the lowest crowd in the history of Great American Ballpark, and it was like 7,000. And so to to see that that, – ballpark jumping and to see the energy honestly john what they're doing with the young roster reminds me a lot of what the pacers are doing you know putting a lot of young people on the floor letting them grow letting them mature and having some early success it's a lot of fun to watch yeah i i would agree i mean i I would agree and that's why i had mentioned regarding you know the colts they they need to take a page out of what the pacers did last year you know, and, you know, it's always been so much about, you know, these high level. This is what we're going to be doing at the highest level. Now it's more like, all right, here's here's what you could expect and then over deliver because it's been a while for sure. So hey, John, that's what hey, John, I thought the Pacers you, did well last year. I want to give you one final note that I learned on Friday. So at the press conference and then you had Walker and Shepard in your in your studio. After yeah. that, I met with Ben's dad had a great conversation, and he shared with me that Ben Shepard and Josh Downs are lifelong friends. They played youth sports together, basketball and football, in Sewanee, Georgia. And who would have thought that the two of them would be rookies with the pro teams in Indianapolis? Josh Downs from North Carolina with the Colts and Ben Shepard from Belmont with the Pacers. So that may be something you want to follow up on, but I I think that's going to be a cool story uh, to watch those two young guys grow. 
That is. And, you know, Ben Shepard mentioned to me that he, in, as I think as a sophomore or a junior in high school, he was 5'11". Oh. Well, <laughs> 5'11". Yeah. Now he's 6'6". Six six. So, yeah. yeah. Now, I did not, I didn't know the, the Josh Downs-Ben Shepard story, but that is a, a good one to talk about coming up at a later date, no doubt about that. Hey, Chris, Archer, thank you guys for joining us today, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Congratulations on your award, and I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of this in uh, upcoming days, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thanks, John. Talk to you soon. It's uh, Kristen Airy right there and grandson Archer via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. I did not know that uh, Shepard and Downs uh, grew up best friends. But I did know that Shepard was, I believe, a junior in high school and was five foot eleven, and is 6'6 now and had zero, really nothing on his radar as far as college expectations and certainly NBA expectations. All right, walk-ons, we're downtown. It has a Cajun flair here. As you can see, if you're watching via YouTube Live, I'm trying to show here the, uh, the menu. Now I got it upside down. Uh, Todd Johnson's going to join us. He is one of the owners here, friend of the show, because he also owns Monkey Duck down on Southport Road in 65. Todd's going to join me coming up in a minute. Stephen Holder coming up at the top of the hour. Isaiah Rogers, it looks as if what we thought is going to come to fruition, a one-year banishment by the NFL for his gambling situation, which should uh, put to bed, come to a close his time here in Indy with the Colts. I think Adam Schefter mentioned both Rodgers and, in this case, a handful of other NFL players yet to be discussed. We'll get that and more with Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Walk-ons downtown on a Wednesday. Join us here. It's 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Here we come. What's your podcast? Oh, hey, go ahead and put that up here, Todd. Go ahead. Hey, Todd Johnson's going to join us right here, too. Now, what were you asking me right here? What's your podcast on? Oh, what's my podcast on? Oh, YouTube Live, The Ride with JMV. We got, hey, yo, 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 where's our, uh, where's our engineers? We got to turn somebody up over here. Where's everybody at? <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to get Todd's mic on. Hey, Landon. Landon, go get it. Landon, go get an engineer so we can turn Todd mics on. We gotta turn a mic on, unless you know how to do it here. I'm not an engineer. Try that now. That's the wrong one. No, don't start jacking with that. Just wait. <laughs> what the hell, dude? Hey, hey, hustle your ass up there and get an engineer down here and have them turn his mic on. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Todd's gonna to join us whenever he's mic'd up here. So. <laughs> Thank you, Landon. I appreciate that. Yeah, go over there. Go over there and get somebody right there. Uh, we're at Walk-Ons downtown. See, and I will explain this. Um, 
we're at walk-ons and our company is here having a party too so that's what's happening this place is way too cool to hang on this side with me so they're on the other side partying with the company right now and i think our engineers just went over there to party with the company and uh, i tried to tell them yeah todd's trying to talk right here and his mic's not working now and, and normally I need to get better at this, honestly. Um, and I look at this right now, and I'm thinking, all right, which one do I need to be using? And I don't know which one at all to use right here. So I could be really jacking something up if I'm not. Although it may be better than this right now. Maybe I'll just start jacking with it and see if I can uh, and come up with something. But now nah, this is brand new. It's called Walk-Ons. The story is incredible. Um, that we'll go over a little bit. A couple of former LSU basketball walk-ons started this in 03, now with over 100 locations. And the newest one is here downtown Indy off of South Meridian. And those that have ownership in it, that is also an interesting scenario because there are many names that you know right here uh, from fame. And one being, one being Derek Brooks, the NFL 2014 Hall of Fame inductee. And he's going to join us, I believe, at 5.30 coming up today. We'll talk about this and a lot more. Hey, can you come over here and turn this up? Thanks, brothers. I appreciate that. Let me see if I was right. See, I guessed. Todd, are you up now? Check one, see, I, two. I would have hey. guessed that one right there. I would have guessed that, was, that, that was, knob. Was, Thanks, Cam. If, I had that. I had that knob right in front of me. I was going nice to guess it was black that one. one to the left. <laughs> right? What? Come what's on. up, buddy? How you doing? I've been great, buddy. Been busy as heck. I guess uh, so. Chasing my tail. Uh, You're talking about all the people involved in this. I mean, Dak Prescott's involved down. I didn't in know Texas. that. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got a few of them down there. I got Dabo Sweeney out in uh, Clemson area. He's got some on campus. Uh, Devin White's involved in some in Tampa. Derek, mm-hmm. this one we got a Colt. Uh, Colt favorite Booger McFarland. He's yeah. here when we won the ring. Right. Um, so got a lot of really good, fun guys involved in it. It's an interesting story. Um, I fell in love with it last year. I'm living in Tampa and just fell in love with the food and the whole concept. And it's family friendly. Um, we could be right down here on Meridian Street and do some fun stuff. Well, and, and the background on Todd too. I've, I've talked about the Monkey Duck. You know Todd from the Monkey Duck, obviously, and, and other ventures around here. But certainly, most notably, when we go to the Monkey Duck during the football season. Oh, yeah. But you go back and forth. You go back and forth from from Johnson County to yeah. to Florida yeah. all the time. Yeah, Center, Center Grove guy. Yeah, all my life. Um, so so how did you get involved in this? And you had mentioned Derek Brooks is a part of yeah. this. Yeah. Now is Drew Brees still a part of it or not? Drew Brees of owns twenty five percent of the whole the whole thing shooting match. Yeah. Okay. He, he fell in love with it, and when he was getting ready to retire, he said, "Hey, I, I want to start a, a a sports bar." And he was looking around sports bars, and he saw one in his backyard, and he was like. This is what I want to do if I wanted to create something. And uh, the focus on food is amazing. And so he just was able to uh, talk to some of the owners and Brandon, and everything timed up right, and he bought 25% of the, the entire shooting match. Now you're somebody that knows what you're doing here, Todd. What impressed you about everything? The food. The food. I mean, I've been doing sports bars. You know, I've been in the bar business right. since 91 here locally and in Fort Myers. And I'm telling you, if, if you, the food can, can do what it's supposed to do, I mean, this we've got – Sushi grade ahi tuna on the menu. Yeah, uh, we've got buffalo chicken sandwich. Got your normal sixes and eights, but we don't have breadsticks, pizzas, and cut the bag and dump it in the fryer. Everything on our menu is handmade, except the French fries and the ketchup. So everything's made in the back. You know, mozzarella sticks, they call them mozzarella logs. Right, right. Uh, we got gumbo, uh, a, a nice little Creole vibe to it. You, you, you tasted some alligator tail. I right? love the alligator. Oh, I've always loved alligator. Oh, alligator tail. Yeah. Uh, the, the catfish is to die for. So, I mean, it's just it, they, they just 
just really do the details on that. And we've got over 60 TVs down here in downtown. Um, it's just, you know, it's going to work really well with the whole synergy of the building with park and rec upstairs. Right. Um, and it's just these doors haven't been opened during daylight hours in over 35 years. <laughs> uh, it's always been a club or something to open at 10 right, o'clock really, at night. Yeah, exactly, and so yeah. we open these doors up now, and it's just so refreshing. I can't wait for preseason. So this was some kind of club back then. Oh, yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah, and it was always, I got gotcha. And you always had to go upstairs when it was open during the day. Ah, I got gotcha you And now. so this is just yeah. really a treat. People walk by. A lot of conventioneers are loving it. Right. We're very, uh, we're very laden down in the south, southeast. Right. You know, SEC country. So uh, mainly it's, they're branching out. So we're the farthest north store in the chain. And uh, we're currently building one in Clarksville, southern Indiana. Okay. We're finishing that one up yep. hopefully around Labor Day. Now you're part of that one too? Yes, I am. Man. Yep. yep. You're a part of everything right We're now. We're trying to be. Yeah. You got everything going on, yeah. and um, juggling a lot. Yeah, yeah. you are. Uh, and, and again, what NFL players are a part of this one? Right this now? one, uh, my partners in this one are Derek Brooks and Booger McFarland. Okay, and yeah. how'd you how'd you meet those guys to get them interested? Uh, in this? My my other partner is Wade Cornbluth over there. He's sitting there chilling. Hey, one Wade, my, one of my neighbors in Tampa. <laughs> uh, he he introduced me to Derek, yeah. and uh, we just hit it off. Uh, Derek's been involved a little bit with the chain, just kind of as an ambassador, and he's friends with. Brandon, and he, he, when we sat down to talk to him about some stuff, he goes, how can I get involved with you? I, I, I think we found the right partnership. And then he's really good friends with Booger, you know, and Booger's an LSU guy. Yeah. Um, and he's introduced us to some amazing folks as well. So, well, I mean, Derek Brooks is all a famer right there, too. Hey, so. Walter Payton, man of the year. Yeah. Um, he still, he doles out fans, uh, fines on Tuesday mornings. Uh, so he's active in the league. Um, he's very yeah. active. Um, he's an academic All-America. Yeah. He says, always tell people that, remind people that. And, and it's true. So I, mean, I guess it really he got, hands out the fines on Tuesday. Yeah, he's one of the guys that gets the dole out fa- fines. Yeah, so it's usually <laughs> for like socks and wardrobe oh, malfunctions and things uh, like that, or dropping some oh, choice words nice. on the open hot mics. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of interesting. Get to sit there and listen to him, and he's very he's very Solomon about it. I mean, he's fair, but he yeah. he lets him talk, and then he doles it out. That's uh, basically. I mean, once once you're kind of before him. Uh, the outcome's going yeah. to be the same most I, of the time, right? I, very rarely do you just get out of there without anything. So. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. And these young kids say, oh, come on, man. Come on. He's like, <laughs> I, he's not happening. He, Derek is very fair, but, man, it's, it's still Derek Brooks, man. He's well, great, he's, great all, he's all a famer, too. I mean, there's just all the, those guys yeah. walking around on the No, earth. no. Think about it. I mean, and, and incredible what he accomplished. There's no doubt about that. Todd Johnson, again, the owner of Walk-Ons. Um, I would advise you to come down here. You guys are open, what, Monday through Sunday, I'm assuming? Yeah, 11 to 11, right. Monday through Friday. We're open until midnight on Saturdays. If it's a late game, if we have a late kick um, and we go into the after hours, then we're going to stay open until everybody's served. we got a family-friendly area in the back. Kids could do pop a shot and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Can't Where's my that. company, by the way? Are they over there? Your company is up in Park and Rec having oh, a little bit are. of fun. Yeah. So I, what's, park and, what's the Park and Rec thing? What's pa- happening? Park and Rec is named after my son, Parker. Okay. And he just turned nine, and he told me to tell you hi. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it, it's – it, it's more of a different vibe upstairs now. Um, we're doing live cover bands on weekends. Okay. Uh, more of a chill vibe to it. And then it's also an area that we can rent out for events. On um, the top area is called Show Bar, and we're doing events upstairs as well. Um, There's going to be a, a, an event center. 
to allow people to go in and, and uh, just in, rent it out for Christmas or birthday parties or whatnot like that. Also a concert venue, It'll hold up to 500 people. Wow. Um, but the second floor, we have we have uh, video games set up and that's okay. a rental as well. So a lot of people are coming in. We're renting it out now for like business business parties. And that's where my company is yes, right up there? Yes, they are. They're, have, they're imbibing a little bit. I, I know because the engineer left and there had to be a really good reason why. <laughs> it might be the karaoke. engineer left and I'm assuming that it's, are they doing karaoke up there? I too? don't know. They, they're going to they're gonna hook <laughs> something up. It's, it, it is 444. It's almost 5 o'clock somewhere. It, it but, is. But it with them, yeah, it could be 4 o'clock anywhere. Right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> hey, this is Todd Johnson, everybody. I would advise you. I want you to make it down here today. But if you can't be down here today, we're going to do, hopefully, a bunch of shows down yes. here. I want to introduce you to walk-ons. And as Todd mentioned a little bit earlier, that walk-on vibe here, what a great spot. Well yeah. done. And you always do a, a hell of a job with I, everything. Hey, I and appreciate it. And you, you have always been – I've been a friend of the show for probably – 16 years or something. I, I remember little chair days. GMB. Little chair days. The illegitimate child. The illegitimate child of Jim <laughs> I mean, Michael Vincent. Heck yes. Yeah, buddy. And I mean, I, you've always been such a stalwart supporter down at the duck or any project I do. And I, I from my heart, man, I my always brother. appreciate it, brother. You know it. You right always answer the phone and you're always there heck for yeah. me. Heck yeah. This is Todd Thank Johnson, you. everybody, right here. Thanks you for ask for him here at Walk Ons. You can join us on South Meridian if you like. We would love. Look at that, Landon. Now Landon even knows now, too, man. I'm saying Landon, go get somebody. Where's the engineer? Live radio stuff right here, especially in live radio when we're having a company-wide party upstairs. But, no, I want you to come down here today. But if you can't make it, we'll be down here again. And you'd be down here again as well. But, no, it's great food, great place, and it is new to Indy. It is called Walk-Ons. And Derek Brooks, I believe, is going to join us coming up at 530. We'll talk about that and more with him. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Stephen Holder, more of the story on Isaiah Rogers. That is still to come. Oh, okay. 5.15 to 5.20. No, no problem. No problem whatsoever. Yeah, that works out great. So, yeah, Derek Brooks around 5.15 to 5.20 is what we're looking at right here, James, back at the studio as well. All right. Tomorrow's show is also on the road. I'll tell you when and where and what we're doing. I think most of you already know, and you're looking forward to it. We'll talk about that. And then Stephen Holder, uh, that latest tweet from Adam Schefter regarding Isaiah Rogers. We'll dive into that a little bit more as well. Coming up, South Maria. Meridian's our location. This is Walk-Ons, brand new. Would love to see you here. Have a couple of cocktails, some alligator, hang out a little bit on a Wednesday with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fam. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Walk-ons, and we're downtown on South Meridian. Uh, the owner, Todd Johnson, just joined us. Derek Brooks, uh, the NFL Hall of Famer, I believe is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. And uh, he's the one that um, takes care of the reviewing for disciplinary action in games for in-game misconduct in the NFL. 
and he's a part owner with walk-ons here downtown in Indy. He's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Stephen Holder is going to be here as well. Uh, this is from Chris at JMV1070 on Twitter. I think it was said that the Colts didn't know Rodgers was under investigation, but Rodgers did. Do you think the Colts knew they may uh, had the Colts known they may not have traded Gilmore? I don't. I think that they were going to – maybe that would have given them a little bit more of a, a pause to think about it, but I still think that it was kind of a joint effort led there. I think both player and organization was ready to give – in this case, the organization give the player a better chance to win as a 30-plus-year-old cornerback in the NFL. So I do not think that that would have changed. And I know that sounds crazy because now you're talking about all these names that really remain unsigned at corner in the NFL right now because there's going to be no Isaiah Rodgers. But I don't think that that would have changed the outcome. I still think Stephon Gilmore would have been traded regardless. Uh, hey, JMV, I've always felt like it was more important to have your best players in at the end rather than the start. If Walker can be a guy that closes the game defensively, that would be a huge win and a great start to hopefully a long career. I mentioned this regarding Jarris Walker earlier, and I said the same thing last year about Benedict Matherin. When people were whining and crying about him not starting, I didn't care. Did not care. Now, this year's going to be different because he staked his claim to a legitimate starting position on this team in year number two. But last year, I didn't care. I just wanted to see him get in there and produce. See him get in there and compete. That's exactly what he did. He got in there and he proved that he belonged. He staked his claim to a starting spot now going into this year. And that's what I want to see from Jazz Walker. That's why I hope that the Pacers are active and go out and find a wing that will start and Walker can work his way in rotationally and then prove, much like Mather improved a year ago. That's where I stand on that. And I think it worked out with Mather a year ago. I don't know why it wouldn't work out if, again, the talent is there, why that wouldn't work out for Walker this year. But that's what I look forward to, and it really bugs me about starting or the lack of starting right there. And it sure as hell didn't with Matherin, and as it turned out, it was accurate. Quick break, and we shall return. Walk-ons, we're downtown. If you want to join us, we'd love to see you on South Meridian. We've got Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, the latest regarding Isaiah Rogers coming up on the other side. And NFL linebacking Hall of Famer Derek Brooks scheduled to join us at the 5 o'clock hour as well. 93.5 and 107.5, the whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Wow. I don't know what to say. I guess, wow. I guess the only thing I can say is I'll promise to keep rocking and rolling making better films. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, welcome back to Walk-Ons. We're downtown on South Meridian. Uh, brand new to the place, too. Todd Johnson's the owner who joined us a little bit earlier. Outstanding. Man, I'm going to tell you what. These dudes are flying by here. Do I sound like an old fart when I say these dudes are flying by on these scooters? 
Does that not look fast to you, BT? It looked like that dude was flying. How do more of these guys not get punted when somebody's, like, walking out a door, opening a door, or cars pulling out or something like that? I don't want to see it, but that's weird, right? Yes. Of course, Gritty, I am. Come on, why you even ask that, Gritty? Derek Brooks going to join us, the Hall of Famer, hands down discipline in the NFL, too. Derek Brooks is a part owner of walk-ons here in Indy. He's going to join us coming up in a bit. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, Stephen Holder is with us. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm not riding any scooters today. I don't trust my coordination. So no. I'll tell you what. Well, I mean, that's kind of how I felt on Sunday <laughs> when the, the severe weather, the tornadoes hit on the south side down near yeah. me. I didn't know that anything was going on until the horns and the sirens went off because I was Same. a little little hammered <laughs> in the pool. I wasn't paying attention, you know. So. Same here. <laughs> they went off and I thought, wait a minute, is this in my head or is this real here? But, yeah, unfortunately for a lot of my friends down there, it was absolutely real. Hey, uh, before we yeah. get started here, did you were you down there covering Derek Brooks when he still played in Tampa? Oh yeah, I know Derek very well. Yeah, because he's going to he's going to join me coming right up here in about that. ten minutes. Yeah. Oh man, listen, Derek. Um, I covered him. Uh, I don't know the the last few seasons of his career. I, I definitely covered him. Maybe the last three or four. Uh, he was great to cover. And let me tell you. You talk about a guy who took his leadership role seriously. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> if you were a rookie in that locker room, you were going to get an earful every day from that guy. Uh, he did not let you slack, and he carried himself like he was, uh, you know, even when he was younger, from what I heard, he always carried himself like a 20-year vet. He, he was elite in that way, and he wasn't a bad player, you might have heard, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Hall of Famer, I think, as of 2014, and he ends out uh, yeah. discipline uh, in the NFL right now. So, obviously, you have to have some sort of high-level character background to yeah. have a role in that in the NFL, I'm assuming. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, I, I've always respected how he carried himself. Listen, nobody worked harder than Derek. I remember back in the day, the, the Bucks had this terrible facility. They had their original facility that they – uh, that they began using when the when the team was expanded as an expansion franchise, I think in seventy eight or seventy six, maybe. Anyway, it doesn't yeah, matter. The point yeah. is, they had the original facility still in the early two thousands, and this thing was embarrassing. Okay, let me tell you. And they had <laughs> the weight room was so small that they set up this patio situation where they had these extra weights outside on this covered patio in the middle of the Gulf Coast of Florida, okay? And we'd be out there in, in the springtime in OTAs. Derek would be like the only guy working out out there, like it was Venice Beach or something. And he'd be going hard. And I'd be like, you know, they have one in the, in the air conditioning too, you know. But that's just how he was, man. He, he, was, he was a worker and he was dedicated. Uh, he is a part owner of Walk-Ons down here where I am today. Uh, he and Booger McFarland is in on that. I think Drew Brees has got a, an overall stake in all of these. But uh, uh, that's why nice, I am here nice. downtown today, and uh, and Derek is a part of it. So we're going to talk with him coming up in a minute. But Stephen Holder joins us. So Isaiah Rogers, that, that tweet from Schefter probably got you a little activated today uh, to do yeah. some things. This Again, all that what we expected. But uh, was, was this tweet, do you think, with a, a timetable in mind? I don't know if there is one, but when would you yeah. expect something? concretely to come down from the NFL? Well, we, we had been hearing that it would be soon. And, 
the, the way Schefter characterized it was that it would be this week. Uh, I thought the interesting thing, as you I'm sure noticed, is that he, he also mentioned there would be some other discipline handed out too. Now, I don't know who we're talking about, what teams, what players, I don't know, but uh, it, it is interesting that there are going to be other players apparently uh, caught up in this wave. That That's something we had been hearing as well, so obviously Sheffield got that confirmed. So I would anticipate something in the next couple of days, yeah. I haven't heard anything. No other Colts players, right? This is the only Colts player involved? To my knowledge. To, to my knowledge. Now, uh, that is all I'm aware of. So I can't rule it out, but I don't know of any. I would say this. Um, as it relates to Rodgers, you're probably going to ask this, but I, I do think it's interesting. I, I, was, I was kind of preparing for an indefinite suspension because I thought the nature of the allegations, and of course it had to be all sort of sorted out and, and got, they have to get to the bottom of it. But, but what we heard initially was very troubling, right? That he's placing bets on the Colts. And when you go to that extent, if in fact they can prove it, they go guns blazing. That's what happened with, with Calvin Ridley. And he got the indefinite suspension. Now, he was reinstated after one season, but it was initially indefinite. And that means we'll let you know, okay? That, that means no guarantees. And I was wondering whether Isaiah Rogers might also meet that fate. He ended up getting, it appears, the one-season suspension. That's a big difference and an important distinction, yeah, I I think about it this way. Was was there any any reason why um, once that report came out um, regarding Isaiah Rogers, he just went ahead and took ownership right then, basically, and right there? I think within a 24-hour period, he basically owned uh, what had happened. Uh, was there an angle for that where, one, it might benefit the type of punishment he may or may not get in this case? Was there any reason for him to get that particular level of advice well I, I think at that point it had been established that he had he had violated the policy that is no one was really arguing that including Isaiah himself and and the people in his camp that I can tell you now there are some nuances to this though okay and so it did not appear at least that that he was making Certainly, they were not they were not sizable bets. Number one, so this wasn't. It appears to be some case where he was trying to to make easy money off the Colts or inside information or things like that. I, it didn't appear that way, uh, and there seemed to be some mitigating circumstances. I don't know all of the details, but there that was communicated to me that there was some mitigating circumstances that it wasn't as bad as it looked. I would. I'd be very curious to get some more details as to what we're talking about, because that's, that was very strongly communicated to me. And I presume also communicated to the league office. So maybe to your question, maybe Isaiah coming out and saying, Hey, I, I'm sorry for causing all these problems. And, you know, uh, you know, my bad, <laughs> maybe that was a way of saying, look, I know I screwed up but is also not what it looked like. I did, uh, I did exchange a couple of messages with Isaiah a few weeks ago after it first came out, and that was something he expressed to me. He didn't say anything specific, but he said, look, I'm getting, a, I'm getting killed right now, but he's like, there are some things that people don't know. 
there's more to this. So hopefully we get some of those blanks filled in here in the next few days, I hope. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Somebody had asked me this a little bit earlier, and I answered it in this fashion. It was whether or not had the Colts known would they still have traded Stephon Gilmore in the way that they did. And my answer was that I still think that they would have traded Stephon Gilmore, even knowing what they know right now. It may have given them a little bit more of a pause to think about it, but I think both sides wanted this. And I think ultimately Stephon Gilmore got got what he wanted out of this. And I just don't really think this would have changed the dynamic had they known at all. Do you? No, I think in, I think they're separate situations. I really think – I don't think they wanted to trade Stephon Gilmore. Okay, that's that's very important. I don't think they ever really wanted to trade him. I just think he wanted out. Look, I talked to Stephon Gilmore a lot last season, and he's not a talkative guy, but it's sometimes what he didn't say, and or really you could just tell from his body language, he wasn't happy. This was a really miserable situation. And here's a guy who's in the twilight of his career, and he's he's coming off a, a couple of seasons where he's bogged down by injuries. He's finally healthy, and then he finds himself in that situation last year. Oh, I mean, it was it was miserable for him. It was very clearly miserable, and so I get it. I wouldn't want to spend my final hurrah in that situation where you're starting over and re- rebuilding if you can go somewhere else. So he had options. He had the juice to ask for a trade. They gave him the trade, and so here we are. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I don't think we've talked since uh, OTAs concluded. Uh, and, again, who knows? I mean, it's all going to come down to training camp and certainly what we witness, what they see there, and how they gauge that. But from the parts that you witnessed, does it look as if Anthony Richardson is week one starter ready? So I'm not ready to say that. I think we we need to see more. Obviously, and there's no there's no reason to to for them to to even be thinking in those terms right now. So I don't think there's any rush. I don't think they see him as the week one starter today. Now, here is something that I think needs to be said. We can talk about Anthony Richardson being up and down throughout OTAs, but you know who else was up and down? Gardner Minshew. <laughs> so here's the question. All right, whether. Anthony Richardson is the starter or not, the, the, the question has to be asked in context. It's like, all right, whether you start him or not, what are you getting in the alternative? What is the alternative? And is the alternative better? I would say, I think Gardner Minshew is a capable quarterback, but I also would argue that in the absolute best situation last year, which is playing behind Jalen Hurts, being the backup quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. You had an amazing defense. You have, you have a high-powered uh, group of wide receivers, good offensive line, and he had to start two games. He didn't win either game. So I don't think that's something we can overlook. You know, So what you're getting with Anthony Richardson is, guy, is a guy who's very raw, probably not ready in the grand scheme, but – is going to ascend quickly. He's going to improve quickly with experience because that's his biggest issue right now is the lack of it. So I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that ultimately this is a, the same kind of decision as you might get in a different scenario where you have a young quarterback and maybe a, a very proven veteran quarterback. I mean, Gardner Minshew has kind of been an off and on starter. It's not. It's not some long time accomplished. 
uh, Pro Bowl, you know, one-time Pro Bowl quarterback. So I think the circumstances are a little different. Stephen Holder joins us. All right, in, in terms of this, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. I have, I've said this all along. Um, I think that the way that the Colts would view – I think they view it differently anyway. But from my standpoint, the way you view extending Jonathan Taylor and that level of importance compared to how most other teams and organizations feel about doing such a thing – at the running back position is it's different right now because of the quarterback situation, because that quarterback situation is going to to be uh, Anthony Richardson. I, I think you have to have something you can count on. And I know last year he didn't play some games and was injured, but that's the closest thing you can count on anywhere offensively right now is that, which means to me, I think a lot. I think that that's a much higher level of importance that the Colts have to take action with Taylor than what you saw in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook or what you saw with the Chargers with Austin Eckler. And I know this is a bad argument because the Giants made the postseason, but I would even argue more so than that of the Giants and Saquon Barkley because of what necessarily he brings to the table here with a rookie quarterback moving forward with this Colts offense in the now. I think it makes it more important. Would you agree? Yeah, I actually think you're on to something there. I mean, if you look at – take the Giants. You, th- you said maybe that's not a great argument. Well, I don't think it's, it's wrong. Here's the thing. Their quarterback is further along. Daniel Jones can swim if you throw him in there without – Saquon Barkley, you know, Anthony Richardson is starting from, from the first floor. Okay. He's, he's at ground level trying to work his way up. You got to give him every tool he can get. Look, they have already put themselves in a situation where they have a lack of offensive weapons because that is the team that they have put together. So are you telling me you're willing to, to gamble on the long-term future of your your single greatest offensive weapon. I'm not suggesting they should go out there and sign him to some six-year contract. But I also think that – I said this to the morning show this morning, uh, Mark and Jake. I think something in a, a three-year type of package is where is, is the sweet spot. And that's not groundbreaking. I think that's kind of where a lot of people's heads are. But I think the three-year timeline for me works – and here's why. Uh, really, when you're talking about a three-year deal, and in the, in the NFL, any multi-year deal, you're really not looking at it for the full duration. I think if you're looking at a three-year deal, you're talking two years. And, and then we'll see. That's really what they're saying when they give you a three-year deal. So, you know, give him, give him a good chunk of money up front and make sure he's happy for two years, and then we'll see what happens in two years. I mean, he may not be the same player at that point. Maybe the injuries have have hit by then. I, hopefully not, right? He's been a very, very durable guy, but then you saw last year as well. The point is, I think there's a happy medium. I think there's a way to give him his due and and still not jeopardize your long-term future. I will tell you this, if you're, if you're Jonathan Taylor, look, they put you through the ringer two years ago. I mean, he had 300 and I believe 20-something carries in 2021, and he's got nothing – you know, from a monetary standpoint to show for it right now, that's pretty tough to take. And, and he got injured the year after that. If you look at the history of running backs, when they ex- 300 carries is kind of the threshold. You do not want to be over 300. That's where it starts to be diminishing returns in terms of your health. So he's in a situation where, you know, he could end up being there again with a young quarterback. They're, they're, they're a team that say they want to run the ball. Or excuse me, they want to throw the ball a lot. But, I mean, 
are they really set up to do that? I don't know. I think they're going to be possibly a run-heavy team again. So if I'm him, I, I look at it from the standpoint of I got to get my money now. And, and he needs – if I'm him, I'm governing myself accordingly. Um, do you view him more important in the fold for the short-term future than that, even of Michael Pittman Jr.? Well, I, it's a good question. I, I do think that he's a more unique player than Michael Pittman Jr. is. At, at, at running back, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is, is a more unique player there than, than Michael Pittman is as wide receiver. Now, who's better? I mean, who's more impactful? Eh, I would say this. You could almost argue, when healthy, you could almost argue that Jonathan Taylor has more big plays. He, that's why I think he is to be judged a little differently than your garden variety running back. There are a lot of running backs who get a lot of yards. You know, that, that's a pretty common thing. We see 1,000-yard rushers all the time. It's not that big a deal anymore. Right. But what I think is different about Jonathan Taylor is his ability to make the home run play. I mean, that's where I think he separates himself. I mean – you know, if you look at a guy like Christian McCaffrey, for example, you know, he's a very unique player. They are not the same, him and Jonathan Taylor, because obviously McCaffrey as a receiver is a much more elite receiver out of the backfield. But but just in terms of their, their big playability, I think it's comparable. I do think their big playability is comparable. And that's, that is where I personally view guys like that in a different realm. So I would put Jonathan Taylor in that class. You know, whether the Colts agree is up to them, but I think so. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. We'll get a little bit of rest. Rest up because oh, it's all the schedule as of yesterday. And at the end of the month, it's going to start pumping a little bit too. And we got, we got some stuff here. We got some stuff going on. I, I have said this, Stephen. I, I, I think that what the Colts have to do is kind of strike like the Pacers did last year, and that is yeah. undersell and over-deliver. And that's what yeah. the, the Pacers did, and that's what the Colts need to do because in the past years they have uh, oversold and under-delivered, and that's a bad combination. No doubt about that. I mean, you know, have they ever, and, and especially last year. There's no yes. greater example of that than last year. And I'm not even criticizing them for it. I mean, we all expected more, I think. So, no, it was so, a I clown mean, show we're, we're last year, though. Yeah, they deserve criticism. That was a clown show last do. year. They yeah. absolutely do. And I think there was more they could have done to ensure a better result, and they didn't do those no So, So that's another aspect of it. So – I agree. Look, I, I will say this. I am not – I hope they communicate this. They probably won't, but this is what they should say. <laughs> what they should say is that this year is about stabilizing our offense and getting our quarterback on track. And almost nothing else matters. Now, I don't want to say that to DeForest Buckner, so I get that the messaging is delicate. Guys right. like DeForest Buckner and, you know – Zaire Franklin, who, you know, guys who are leaving it all on the field every Sunday, and you don't want to go say to those guys, hey, guys, go out there and play really hard, but, you know, we really don't care what happens this year. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible message, right? At the same time, you as a fan have to recognize what this is about. This year is about do they have a freaking quarterback? That's all I care about, man. 
And I think the, the bonus would be if they cobble together some momentum and they, they remember how to block a little bit and maybe they get on a roll and they win some games. I think Shane Steichen is, is brilliant. I really do think he's brilliant. And I think he gives them a chance to really, um, to really surprise people. But I'm not counting on that. I'm not expecting it. I'm not predicting it. None of those things. So we'll see what happens. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is with us, man. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for calling in today. You got it, my, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. It's uh, Stephen Holder on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pileline. Joining us now, uh, back to the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pileline, the NFL Hall of Famer inducted back in 2014. Uh, he's the longtime linebacker of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He hands down in-game misconduct discipline weekly in the NFL, and he's also an owner with walk-ons where we are today here in downtown Indy. The incredibly talented Derek Brooks joins us now. Hello, Derek. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine, sir. But I do want to make one slight correction and disclaimer. Okay. I do, as an appeals officer, I do not administer fines. You you look at the film. <laughs> Holy crap! Just no, as you no, said no, that, they brought no. out a bunch of food to me here. So wait a minute. No, one more time. You you just view no. it. You don't hand it down. No. So the process is is myself and James Thrash. If players are fined, and they're fined uh, through John Runyon and his team at the yeah. NFL, then the player will appeal that fine. That's where myself and James Thrash steps in as the appeal officers. So guys plead their case to us, and we either do three things. <laughs> we uphold the fine, we reduce the fine, or we rescind the fine. <laughs> So <laughs> that is our role. We don't – I tell players, I tell them all time, look, I don't find it. <laughs> okay? That's clearly – I say, but I am the judge, jury, and – some cases, you know, execution. <laughs> it sounds like you you have a pretty significant role in that process to me. But no, I, I get I, I do get what you're saying here. What what's the uh, you mentioned you know the the triple threat here? What's the uh, outcome to one of those three things that happen with every argument? The most well, normal it, outcome. It, it, well, it, it just depends, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, our, our job is to continue the education process of this game and to make our game safer for all the men, you know, that's out there playing it. You know, it's a different game than when I played in my time, and guys are very conscious of that. Uh, whether it's, you know, the, the I will say the hits, you know, most things now is, you know, the helmet, you know, get your helmet in, helmet out, head and shoulder area, trying to protect guys, you know, from anything from that to, you know, other on-field discipline, hits on quarterbacks, fighting, pulling guys off piles. I mean, it's anything that goes on on the field, you know, you do have an opportunity. There is an opportunity for the NFL to, to hand down a fine. So, and so again, in some cases, I, I disagree. Uh, and I rescind the fine. In other cases, it may not be to the degree uh, that they fine, and we reduce it. In other cases, we uphold it if uh, I feel the NFL was right. Um, hey, Derek, being a part of this, is it the uh, is it the best way to handle it? From what you have gathered over the years doing this, is this the best way to handle you know the discipline that goes down to the NFL with what you guys are all all doing and concentrating as a part of together? 
Yeah, when you talk about on-field, yes, and that's the part that I am a part of is on-field conduct and actions. And it goes through a litany of communities from the player safety committee, which is half players, owners, GM coaches, to our competition committee, which is made up of everybody that's invested in the game. So uh, to medical uh, committees. I mean, you have a lot of areas and touch points that we're that we're a part of in trying to keep uh, our game the best game possible and the most safest game uh, out there possible. And every year, there are going to be things that come up where there's area of improvement, and we just try to stay proactive in doing it. And it's no dis- it's no different than the discipline process. And I think one critical thing that uh, players over the years that I've been doing this for so long, gets to understand that this appeals office position, which myself and James Thrash served, it was created by the CBA. So we're unbiased. We don't work for the league. We don't work for the union. We work for the CBA. We work for both. So we have no allegiances but to anything, and, and that's the game. And doing all we can to continue to educate, Make our say, make our game safer and make it better because we're part of it. So Derek Brooks, the Hall of Famer, joins us. I do want to talk some football with you and about walk-ons, obviously, but I, I'm yes. interested in this. I, I, do you ever second guess yourself with these situations? No, I try to go. I honestly uh, try to put myself through every possible scenario to know when I go lay my head down at night that I've made the best decision possible with the information I was given. And some people are going to agree with it, some are not, especially when it comes to suspensions. Uh, whether it's late hits, conduct, et cetera, over the years, you know, I take my time. I, I value everything that everyone tells me, especially the players. When I'm communicating with them and having conversation, they know I am – going to listen to them. I'm going to give them my ear, both of them. Uh, at the same time, they respect how I handle the process because I, I give them respect, they give it back. Even though they may disagree with some of my decisions, they know that it went through a process with me and the decision and the information and the testimony wasn't taken lightly. Even though they may disagree, they know they was treated fairly in the process. And that's, that is, is what's important to me. That is Gary Brooks right there. I was just talking to Stephen Holder, somebody that spent many years covering you down in Tampa oh, yeah. for the, yeah, yeah, the Tampa did. Tribune. Um, he brought this up. And uh, just by talking with you in the last five minutes, I can understand how this is incredibly true, <laughs> that, that you were the, the lead voice on most things in that locker room. And I, I can't tell you how invaluable – that type of personality is in any locker room, much less an NFL locker room. Did you take that seriously, that leadership value? Because it's obvious what you brought to the field, talent-wise, athleticism, all of it, the total package defensively. But did you take that leadership value that sincerely in day number one when you started in the NFL? Uh, Yes, and and I waited my time uh, to serve the leadership role. Uh, Hardy Nickerson was our – uh, defensive captain and team leader uh, for two to uh, three, three to four years uh, before uh, it was my time. And I, I again 
debt of gratitude to him for just showing the way to be a professional. And when it was my time to step up and take that leadership role, uh, I studied for it, to be honest with you. Uh, I had to. I really went to study, hey, what is a good leader? At the same time, what is a leadership role? The role of leadership and being a leader. And, you know, the things that I learned through this, this process is, hey, you're not a leader if no one's following. <laughs> no matter yeah. what you, you may right. think yourself. And in order to get people to follow, you got to listen and you got to be authentic. And I think that is uh, probably some of the greatest compliments my teammates have paid me all these years and say they know my relationships with them were genuine. Secondly, they know where they, they were important. And I walked the walk and talked the talk. And lastly, yeah. I gave everybody space to be themselves. And when it came to, you know, stepping up and being accountable, I was the first one in front of the bus, you know, in terms of, of taking it for the team. And that just wasn't on the field. It was off the field. And just over the years, I just continued to earn that equity with all the men on the team. And it didn't matter if you were my teammate for five minutes, five years, or 15 years. I was going to treat you the same. And you you knew that uh, I was going to be genuine in doing it. And it took a lot of work. <laughs> That's why uh, a lot of people don't step up when it's time to do that, because it is a lot of work. But, again, I believe God put me in a position to be a servant leader, and I just try to do the best I can. Hey, Derek, there's not a day off anything, anytime, any place in what you just described. There's no day off. <laughs> No, I, I didn't expect it either. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there can't be if that's who you want to be. I mean, there can't be. I mean, every different angle. No, you, you just find your ways to do it. I was blessed, man, to never miss a game, uh, punch every day of that clock. But, but through it all, you find your ways to do it. And that's where I feel in studying the leadership role – it's certain times where you're still the leader, but you, you delegate. You put certain people in certain situations to be their own leader and be comfortable in their own skin and their own role to do it. And that, to me, that's a, that's a place of rest because now you're giving someone else a place to grow. And I honestly uh, was very conscious about doing that. Well, I'm ready to follow you anywhere right now. Let me tell you. I'm surrounded by uh, a, a group of your colleagues here, and I can understand why you're a part of it. The Hall of Famer Derek Brooks is with us. Uh, what, what made you uh, want to be a part of walk-ons here, where we're broadcasting live from today here in Andy, Derek? Oh, man, it's the same process. Uh, from uh, meeting Brandon Landry, uh, one of the principal owners years ago, and wanted to be a part of this franchise uh, and this team. Uh, but I wanted to wait for the right situation, uh, the right city, the right people to be in partnership with. And it took them about six about six years of recruiting <laughs> before, <laughs> you know, I, I came uh, across Wade Cornbiff and Todd, uh, who's there right with you, and uh, just getting to know them, say, hey, these are my guys. This is who I want to be a part of with this brand and this group. And it doesn't surprise me that it's, it's right there in downtown Indy. And for what everything that Todd brings from his background and, you know, being up there in business and 
him knowing the pulse of that area to what Wade brings from behind the scenes and numbers and, and me from the relationship part, we feel we have something to offer uh, that space and place in downtown Indy in terms of food and experience that hasn't been done before. And we want to ask everybody to give us a chance to be a part of it and, co- and come help sell and tell our story. Uh, to be honest with you, we, we want to uh, be that that uh, current where it says rising tides raise all ships. We want to be that current to get that, that high rising tide that lifts everybody up. And we want to earn the, earn the trust of the business community uh, there in Indy. Todd has it because he's been there and done it. But he hasn't done it with me and Wade, and we want to earn our equity and jump in and be a part of, uh, of the community. Start with you by having you uh, be a partner of us and, and bring your show and uh, to us. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, have you on a more have you on a consistent basis here with us. But there's just some small steps that we want to take in terms of earning the business trust of the people of Indianapolis that come through our doors and have the best experience possible. Well, I've known Todd for 16 years, man. There's nobody better. I mean, you, you I tell you what, you guys all partner up like this. Some some great folks. And I, well, I'd love to talk with you whenever you have the opportunity to come on the show. But we'd love to see you down here at some point. Will you make an appearance or two here in India walk-ons at some point? Yes. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, the first one I was scheduled to make is when we was, we was opening. But... Uh, I had to get four wisdom teeth taken out. And uh, it was advised that if I thought that was tough, if I decided to get on a plane and come up there, I'd probably still be recovering from having those teeth taken out. But, yes, I I do plan uh, on coming up there, uh, not just once, but uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, I've got a bunch of friends, you know, over in the coach family and and part of the paper. So I – Again, plan on earning the trust of the business community by being present. Absolutely. How many people? How many people do you uh, stay in touch with in and around the Colts organization? Oh man, you know, you you name it. We start starting with our, our G, our GM to uh, I mean, great thing. Cato June is back there on the coaching yeah. staff. You know, obviously Gus was my defensive coach. At, uh, here with the Bucks, and uh, now he's, right. you know, their defensive coordinator. Obviously, I talked to some of the players in this process more than I, I need to. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, you know, I know him. And, again, uh, that's just some of the, the people that, obviously, the players, man. Uh, Darius Leonard turns down in Tampa, and I hope he stays healthy this year, man, to get back on that field and have a, a bigger impact. And, and now that uh, Mr. Richardson has been there, and hopefully he's an answer at the quarterback position that uh, the Colts have been looking for uh, since Andrew Luck left. And no doubt about that. By the way, we figured out here collectively um, November the 26th when the Buccaneers are here. you got to be here for that, don't you? Yeah, right? That's one of the dates we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. I'm coming as a businessman. I'm not coming as a Bucks fan. I understand. <laughs> we all understand want, that. Hey, I listen. Because hey, I want I want to leave like I came in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we just we just want to hang, man. That's it. I, I want to have you on as as much as you want to come on and and certainly be here because uh, it's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it, and and really we haven't even talked about football a bunch, but it's just uh, enjoyable to talk. 
congratulations on everything from the Hall of Fame to to your gig right now and obviously here being a part of, of walk-ons. Derek, and man, whenever you get to town, let me know so we can get you on the show or whenever you want to call into the show, do it. Uh, the, the door and the phone is always wide open for you. You know that. Well, thank you, and I look forward again to uh, building this relationship. And it, you bet your butt, it's not the first, nor will it be the last time you hear from me. Believe me. You, you got it, Derek. Thank you very much. All right, take care. It's uh, Derek Brooks, the Hall of Famer, right there. That was awesome. I can understand why you guys want to hang around with that dude. I mean, see, that's the first time I've ever talked to him. I had ten plus minutes talking to him, and I can understand why you'd want to be with him and I can understand why he's valued in the NFL doing the job in which he does that was awesome Hall of Famer Derek Brooks here via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline he is a part of the business partnership with walk-ons our location downtown right now we'll take a quick break and come back a couple of breaks before we hit the top of the hour what a great afternoon it has been live at walk-ons downtown with 93.5 and 107.5 the fan Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back to Walk-Ons Downtown. Great place. Check it out whenever you can. Hopefully it's today, but whenever you can. Derek Brooks, the NFL Hall of Famer, was just on the show. He's got uh, a stake in ownership with this Walk-Ons location here in Indy. And he was just absolutely outstanding on the show. I hope that you didn't miss it. And if you didn't miss it, if you're just now getting with us here at the end of the show, we'll podcast that up at 107.5thefan.com. But I know we're going to do a number of shows down here, and uh, here's to hoping we get him back on. He was outstanding. Uh, describing the uh, disciplinary measures on the field stuff in the NFL, um, which he has to listen to the player's angle of it after the fact. Oh, man, that was great. Yeah, consider that, too. We didn't even talk about his Hall of Fame career, and that was outstanding. But if you missed any of it, Derek Brooks, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Stephen Holder a little bit earlier as well. That podcast is up there, too, at 107.5thefan.com. Walk-ons downtown on a Wednesday. Our location tomorrow for a tavern tour stop is going to be great as well. I'll explain in a minute, but 239-1070. Let's get to Jerome this afternoon on the show. Jerome, welcome in. How are you? How are you doing, my brother? How are you doing today? Fantastic. Jerome, go ahead. Hey, man, I don't want to spoil your bubble. I know free agency's coming up. And, you yeah. know, me and you joke whenever Larry Bird comes around. You know, we, we have spottings of O.J. Mayo at Circle Center Mall. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. My ya. concern is I think, honestly, Harrison Barnes would be a great fit for this team. I don't want to go out and overpay, overpay in free agency. We've done that before. Malcolm Brogdon set this team back four years. And we can all say, honestly, in hindsight, that Bogey turned out to be a better player than, than Brogdon was. He stayed a little bit more healthier. 
I think you need a stopgap for Jarris Walker. Uh, I think the team is perfectly fine where it's at. If we get a power forward, uh, we can go that route. I think Kuzma is just playing for a payday. I wouldn't pay him over $30 million a year. Uh, Grant Williams, uh, Jeremy Grant. I mean, I would love to have both of them, but, again, you don't want to pay $30 million a year for those guys. Yeah. Uh, I think the Pacers are going in the right direction. I don't want to look up and we've traded for Gordon Haywood because Bird's back. I'm just not going to be funny, but if we're going to do that and you really want to win, I know this sounds crazy, bring Paul George back, man. Put him in the starting lineup with the guys we got. We'll go to the finals. Yeah. Well, and you know, Hey, Jerome, that's not going to happen. But I will say I this. Know. A lot of what you said is accurate. A lot of what you said regarding paying too much um, is accurate. And that's why when, when people suggest, well, you know, Harrison Barnes is not the right fit or anything like that. Now, he may not be this you know, high-level free agent pickup or anything, but he's steady enough to help you out. And to make you look good. And I think you can count on that. Um, I would love to have Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant would be a difference maker on this team. But you're right. He's going to cost too much. I don't even think that's going to be a thought because he's going to end up going back to Portland. But to me, Harrison Barnes, that fit is probably as good as any that I have heard. I would agree with you there. And uh, one more question. Yep. And uh, Carlisle spoke on this. And at first, I am a Jarris Walker fan. The only problem I had with Jarris Walker when I watched his games last year, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes if you look at this guy's size, the motor wasn't always there. I'm not trying to be funny. Sometimes you look out there, you saw a Hemi truck with a Kia motor in it. He didn't always have the drive to take over games. And when I look at him individually, and I'm going to temper this expectation, but I'm telling you guys, if he plays the way he can – and he has a, some – what we need is you can't get talent, you need a dog. I'm telling you guys right now, write it down, we're getting an athletic Ron Artest. Now, now, we saw in Matherin, we saw the dog in him immediately. You haven't seen that in Walker yet. You didn't see that in one year at Houston, did you? No, I see – like there's some guys, they, they say they're tough guys, they got a reputation, and they have to be provoked. You know, they just kind of have that reputation and your, your right. teammates fall in line. Kind of like David West was always a tough guy. But then you know some guys that come around like James Johnson or Charles Oakley, and, you know, they one of them guys. You know what I mean? You don't mess with them. And Jarris Walker, I just thought that in the NCAA tournament, is big. If you're, you guys see him in person, this guy looks like an MMA fighter. He should be dominate. I mean, he should just be bullying guys. I mean, not in a bad way. He should physically not have a matchup that he can't handle. And I just thought he just he disappeared sometimes in the tournament and in regular season. I don't yeah. want too many. I don't want too many like Carlisle used to say back in the early '90s. I don't want a bunch of milk drinkers on this team. And sometimes we get strawberry milk drinkers on this team. Hey, Jerome, man, I appreciate your call. Thank you. I, I um, actually agree with, not at the tail end there, but a lot of what he had to say right there. I do agree with regarding the Pacers. Quick break. We'll come back. Walk-ons today. It's been great. And then tomorrow, a tavern tour stop. We're going to a legendary establishment tomorrow. I'll explain next. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back to Walk-Ons, which has been an outstanding time. i got to thank Todd and the crew here for having us. We'll do it again soon. 
Derek Brooks, a Hall of Famer, a little bit earlier. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Uh, Derek Brooks is a part owner of Walk-Ons here in Indy. The uh, more than just occasional conversation with Gus Bradley, as he talked about, former defensive coach for him. Uh, no, nah, he was great. He really was great. Uh, Derek Brooks and his description of you know getting the feedback from the players after uh, disciplinary measures for on the field situations was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, Derek Brooks, the Hall of Famer. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Chris Denary, Chris and grandson Archer on the show today, too, talking about the Pacers and a variety of things. Hey, I know that Harrison Barnes is not this oh, wow, and I know I've been the one talking about oh, wow stuff, but he's certainly good enough to help this team. You know what you're going to get from him. So I do understand that. Like, I don't think anything's an absolute slam dunk, but I trust that what you have seen him give to Dallas, to Golden State, Sacramento is going to be something similar here. Plus, he comes with connections. He comes with relatables. Relatables to Tyrese Halliburton. Relatables to Rick Carlisle. All that makes a great deal of sense right there to me. So we'll see. See if anything changes. There's a lot of rumors floating around out there. Again, you go by the JMV theory as follows. 90% of it's going to turn out to be absolute BS. Nothing to it. Thus, we will discuss it, I'm sure, ad nauseum. Uh, also today, too, Mark Sheldon joined us from MLB.com. Reds and Oils later on tonight. Reds got a win last night after Spencer Steer came on the show with us yesterday. Podcast, everybody, 107.5thefan.com. The legendary Irias tomorrow. Betting analyst Britt Halverson. That's a tavern tour stop. I want to see you there. Irias off of college tomorrow. Todd and the gang, this has been outstanding right here. Walk-ons. We shall be back. Great food. Thanks for having us. I'm going to go join our company's party and talk with you tomorrow from Irias. That starts at 3. Another busy show tomorrow. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. James, great job. The Lounge via YouTube Live. Shout out. Back with you tomorrow with three.